Kia ora koutou. hello everybody and welcome back to Epic Aotearoa, Create a Better Future podcast and in particular this series in the service of others, Who Dares Wins. Both co-founders Brian Osman and myself Joe Hortai, privileged to have our special guest today. Our guest today is a former member of the Western Australian Police Force having served 23 years including general duties, close personal protection, undercover unit and 15 years in the tactical response group better known as the TRG. He is the director of two successful businesses, namely Saw Consulting and Home Building Solutions. And most importantly, he is a loving husband and father. Ladies and gentlemen, Aotearoa, the one and only Todd Bowler. Welcome, brother. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Brian. No worries. Welcome, Todd. Thank you. Thank you. It makes me sound a little bit old, that intro, but that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. We, we try to do that to everybody. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no but um, mate, very, uh, from my perspective anyway, a very impressive resume, speaking from a, a level of service um, perspective mm. from, from my side in 23 years. That, that sort of, mate, I want to dive straight into it. That sort of leads me into my first couple of questions for you, two-pronged here. First one is, why did you join the police force then, and what caused you to stay in for so long, like the 23 years? Okay, yeah. So I guess out of out of school, you know, I've worked with people who've gone, yep, I was going to join the police or I was focused on the military from, you know, 12 years old. Um, I was more into surfing and hanging out at the beach and whatever the <laughs> lifestyle may be at the time. So I pretty much, I, uh, I got through the end of school and I was really uh, in limbo. I was looking at even uh, firefighters, to be honest, uh, right. because, mm. uh, dare I say it, they had the lifestyle of uh, potentially sleeping on night shift and going surfing during the day, so there's <laughs> a bit of a theme running there. Um, but then uh, I think my dad saw through that and he, he sent me off to do a public service exam, so I ended up um, get, doing this exam and doing a bit of a, a traineeship apprenticeship with the public service. Right. Um, Still, still not knowing what I wanted to do, but the hours, the hours work, flexi time, and things like that. So, um, I did that for about four years. I was at Social Security Recorded or Centrelink now, in WA, which is um, all their unemployment type benefits. But, yeah. Uh, it was quite, yeah, it was interesting work for me because it was uh, a different side of the world and um, some of the rougher areas of the of Perth and things that a lot of um, uh, drugs and stuff going on and yeah, met a lot of people that. Were just a different, just a different sort of environment, I suppose. But yeah, okay. From that, I suppose, and maturing at the time led me to think like uh, I actually wanted to, rather than handing out checks and you know do, uh, helping people behind the counter, I actually wanted to get involved and and make a bit of a difference. Uh, you know, that sounds cliche, doesn't it? But <laughs> make a make a difference, in, but really uh, get involved in the action side of it and and uh, be able to do more than I could from behind a desk. So. Um, policing became the obvious choice from there. Um, wow. So I really had no intention of heading that way, but yep. probably about the age of, I think it was 20, uh, I ended up yeah, signing up for the police and getting through there um, and haven't looked back since. So as far as, well, until the last couple of years. A couple of years, because eh? you've only recently transitioned out, eh, fully? Yeah, that's right, yeah. I've been doing things... Um, part-time while I was in the police and then I've transitioned out to, yep. to try the new world. But um, your question about 23 years and, and why yeah. so long, I guess. Um, what I found with the police, I think a lot of people have found, is there's so many, there's so much variety. So in, this, in the early days, you know, you end up, a lot of people end up walking the beat and 
doing things around um, Northbridge here, our nightclub strips and things like that. So um, that was a real eye-opener for me. Everything is an eye-opener in the police at the start. Um, mm-hmm. So walking the beat, you know, dealing with uh, just a lot of uh, alcohol and violence and things like that is, yeah. uh, at my age now, I'm like, oh, gives me a shudder. But uh, <laughs> at the time it was like, awesome, where's the next? <laughs> yeah. Oh, but, um, so, yeah, I was always... Uh, rightly or wrongly, I always wanted to get be the first one to whatever it was. So if there was a fire, I'd be the first one running into it. But mm-hmm. um, it, yeah, it just it was exciting times, and you know, walking the beat and and doing things there. That got a bit uh, frustrating after maybe three or four years of uh, not the actual. You know, the exciting jobs are the exciting jobs on the in the general duties type policing. But there's a lot yep. of a lot of time in between where you're. Uh, negotiating with people at two in the morning who've been drinking alcohol since lunchtime mm. and that sort of stuff doesn't work. To, <laughs> yeah. And when you're on your uh, your third year in a row of doing that, and everyone you're negotiating with thinks they're um, in charge, they pay your salary and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> so, uh, that sort of stuff gets to you. So yeah, after that, you know, four years, I was time to time to try some specialist areas. So ended up. Nice. Um, Starting with the close personal protection stuff with the um, state security we called it at the time. Um, right. And that was good. That was a different skill set. And, uh, um, it, you know, initially it was quite good. Then it got a little bit, there wasn't much happening as far as action, and which was what I was looking for. So yeah. the majority of the action there was if the um, prime minister was entering the lobby of a hotel, you had to make sure the lift was opening on time. So it was <laughs> in, so, um, so that got a bit old. <laughs> uh, and then I, yeah, a tactical response group came up and I I guess the my desire to do that sort of work had been building over the years. It wasn't something I'd even thought about joining the police. Um, right. And then just as I saw, you know, I'd spoken to a few people who in general duties had gone like the, the only reason I joined the police is tactical response what else would you do I'm like oh interesting okay um, <laughs> so it in the back of the mind uh, yeah. but then yeah by the time I jumped into that it was probably six or seven oh, I'm losing track of time there six years in I suppose and then yep um, had a funny start to that I suppose I, I did selection with the TRG and yep. uh, back in those days at the um, sort of military training areas that the, the regiment guys use and stuff, so it's out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um, I actually got through the, the it was a week-long selection at the time, um, so I got through that, a lot of bumbling through stories and, you know, not really knowing what was coming up. At, at the time, uh, and I think the regiment here uh, in WA was similar where they wouldn't give you anything when you are going to selection, so TRD was the same, like, you, you know nothing, um, yeah. just go and... You know, we'll throw it at you and you'll find out. So, yeah, I um, I did that first selection. I had, um, I do remember the, the first, we got driven out into this middle of nowhere training camp in a bus in the dark at midnight. Um, windows are all blacked out, watches are gone, no idea what's happening. And we had packs. Um, so I, I had my pack and I'd they'd go, first thing they did was yell us to get off the bus, line up, throw your packs in a line. So we threw our packs in a line in the dark run across 50 metres to the left, line up. Um, now knowing that, you know, there was people watching us from the bushes and all sorts at the time, it's like, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Um, so <laughs> we, we lined up for, uh, what would, we probably lined up for 40 minutes just in the silence and the dark. Um, and then 
me being one of the, the foolish ones, just wandered off into the bushes to have a bit of a um, relieve yourself and then <laughs> wander back while they're all uh, studying us. But then, <laughs> then we get these barking orders out of, the, out of nowhere, like, grab your packs, let's go. And, and we're like, oh, my God, where's my pack? And there's a couple <laughs> of packs. Um, police probably a little bit different to military where we're not, we don't live with packs every day and we don't. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's not necessarily our thing, so. <laughs> yeah. but, I thought I had my pack pretty sorted, but unfortunately I got some other guy's pack who's... Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was basically doing up straps as I walked for the next hour and a half. Um, so, yeah, but, but bumbled through that, got through selection and onto the waiting list for TRG. Um, and it was a, it was a, a pretty much a time when no one was leaving TRG for the next couple of years. So end up on a waiting list for TRG for... Uh, yeah, probably one and a half, two years, and then they said, "All right, we're cutting the wow. list. It's been too long. Um, you guys can apply again." So, sure enough, stubbornly applied again. Um, knew a bit more about what was going on the next time, so yep. uh, still just as painful, but uh, but enjoyed mm-hmm. it a bit more and knew what was happening, and um, got through that one and and ended up in the unit for yeah, fifteen years with a bit of a years. undercover stint in the middle there. So, man. Yeah. That's awesome, man. What a great story. And just so you caught, you piqued my interest there when you spoke about not only the selection, but um, so you on a waiting list for one to two years. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a funny time. I'm trying to remember the years, but um, it was before all the, uh, the Iraq um, private security work came up right. and that sort of stuff whenever I did yep. start leaving. But yep. um, guys weren't going anywhere. So we had, there would have been eight of us on the list at the time. Yep. Uh, going back for the occasional training period, but after two years of minimal training and et cetera, they just um, decided uh, someone made the decision and, and cut the list and restart. So, yeah, um, right. Yeah, it was a decision high up and, you know, weren't happy, weren't happy with it, but I didn't know anything about what goes on at the place at the time. I, you know, you just accept it and move on to the next, the next yeah, one that man. comes up. Yeah, so. Good for you. And how many started on your first, on the first selection and how many finished and then the same for the second time when you did it? How many started, how many finished, or roughly if you can? Yeah, on the, on the I guess applications, uh, and this is quite common for TRG side of it, is probably 100, uh, 80 to 100 applications usually yep. for a selection course. Uh, that gets whittled down with a pre-selection, so it'd be a one-day pre-selection, um, yep. including pack march times and obstacle course time trials and things like that. Yep. Um, it's a bit of a swim test that seems to take out some people as well, some <laughs> some logs. Um, but, yeah, that, that gets whittled down to 30 who uh, had actually uh, done some good preparation and, and would be quite competitive on the actual selection course. Yep. Um, getting through selection is normally around 10, I'd say. And then, wow, yeah. The um, I'd say you know it's a little bit different, and I obviously haven't been on a regiment selection, but I, I was talking to you before how we've been very fortunate in WA with TRG side of it to be uh, included and invited along with a lot of things with the um, SAS guys here, and they mm. share a lot of things, so it's it's awesome and the skills they've got and the knowledge. So, <laughs> but they looking at their selection compared to ours, uh, we have a shorter, much shorter period to to select people and go through yep. that physical pain and then work out their personalities and things like that. Um, yep. So our our selection tends to overflow into this, we call it the Close Quarter Tactics course, which goes for now 10 weeks. Gotcha, um, yeah. And the first, definitely the first section of that is still working out who's who 
yeah. um, as well as you know training skills and things like that. But we we haven't necessarily decided 100 percent you're the ones we want. We still have yeah. to you know iron out the details. So, but at, nice. but at the end of that, and you know how those sort of courses work. Um, people pick it up or they fall behind. Mm. Um, we're probably usually around five at the end of the day. So starting with a hundred and wow. usually about well. five, maybe six, yeah. Oh yeah. Of course. Yeah. And you and so and then you went through that a second time and you just thought, oh, okay, that it is what it is. I just gotta do it again because because they, 'cause they've said. Yeah, I, I just think everything's, you know, everything's a test, whether it is or not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have heard this before as well. But a lot of things you guys say resonate with me. It's like, <laughs> this is all a test, you know, they just want to see if I can do it again. But really they're probably just like, oh let's just, you know, scrap it and start again. But so, I don't know. did you um, go did you go relieve yourself a second time? <laughs> no, I was uh, after they crawled out of the bushes. I was like, "Damn it, we're being watched." Yeah. <laughs> so you uh, know, that was true. Yeah. Oh man, I'm, I'm I'm slow, but I'm clever eventually. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I'm slow, but I'm clever eventually. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, um, did you relieve yourself? You didn't happen to get anybody that was watching you in the bushes, or you were relieving <laughs> yourself because that yeah. Well, That's I think they were, um, they've got good discipline. If I did. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, mate, that's awesome. Wow. And that's yeah, such a great insight. Thanks for sharing that, um, particularly around the selection, but also just a little bit about your mindset, because I think what's mm. important and what I find is has been helpful is that, <clears throat> yeah, there's a lot of similarities, and, we, and I'd love for you to speak a little bit about that, what your experiences were in the TRG and, and those uh, the, the wonderful people that you had the opportunity to serve with, but also the unique differences like you know, if I use your example, you weren't really, it wasn't one of those things like Bill we had on this podcast since he was seven, it was something that he dreamed about doing, going to the unit, but he was sort of like, yeah, surfing and, and doing the other things that you were enjoying. And then your dad, you know, said, no, you're going to do this. Was it public service course? Public service. Yeah. Yeah. Public service. And then you went onto that and then, yeah. And then just as you found yourself in those environments or Centrelink and that sort of stuff. And the, I guess the situations that you saw, triggered something in you which then led to this man long and and uh really uh, well hopefully it was fulfilling was your that's i should ask you that well how was your, how was your service did you find it fulfilling todd yeah it was, it was um uh, i never would have stayed if i wasn't getting uh you know if yeah. it wasn't something in it the whole time um yeah. towards the end i probably felt like uh you know i wasn't getting the growth i needed to get out of it and, it, and I wasn't gotcha. there for me, but I was still feeling like I needed to get something else out of it. Um, mm. Very much like the last 10 years at TRG, I was instructing on CQT courses and instructing on just about everything. But um, it's it, the, the f most fulfilling times I had was quite yeah. funny because it, it um, you know, there's all these adventures and mishaps and um, big jobs <laughs> and shootings and things like that. Um, one of the most fulfilling times was, well, the Claremont serial killer. We we grabbed him, mm, what, yeah. and, it, and it wasn't an unusual job for us. It was it was interesting, but it was more the fact that I started my police career when he was out, um, you know, killing Still, yes, the yeah. Perth area. Yeah, and everyone yeah. in WA knows of it. I'm not sure how international it is, but um, just that feeling of actually, you know, 20 whatever years it was later. Yeah. Actually, yeah. grabbing the guy and knowing that it is the guy, and it's been proven in court. So yeah, um, yeah, that was quite bizarre. But that was just fulfilling to 
to put a cap on a story or whatever. Yeah, on that link. Yeah, um, yeah. And then another one. It's it's quite funny. I was I got dobbed in to do these almost like a royal show duties, um, and that's not it's not the prime job you want. But yeah, uh, I was with a with a young guy there, and we took our armored car there, and the kids could jump in and out of it. So like, oh my god. So I actually because I was with a young guy, I kept my distance. I was about. 10 metres away from the armoured car and he was busy, <laughs> uh, which was good for his, um, good for his growth. Yeah, good for his growth, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but then this girl came up and she was in the line. She had a, a dog, a PTSD dog with her, um, and she had a carer with her. And she right. was, she, there, I saw a couple of people ask if they could pat the dog and the carer was saying, no, no, you just have to stay away, but thanks for asking. Um, and then I kind of, I edged in just to keep people away if need be if that was the, the issue and then when I got near her she goes oh can you jump in the car with me and I'm like oh yeah cool um, <laughs> in the car, jump in the back of the armoured car and then she gets the dog in there with it and she goes oh can you hold the dog while I jump around here and I'm holding the dog and then oh can we have a photo together and she's getting a photo but the, it, um, it was uh, interesting because to me it was like one of those positive experiences but probably after you know 23 years but after all the you know the the darker side of the drugs mm. and the guns and the, all that, um, just constant, I suppose, um, just to have a positive, someone, this girl latched on to me and she wasn't, you know, she wasn't concerned and she yeah. wasn't concerned about the public in general, but she was happy to, you know, hang out with me and let her, me hold a dog and stuff. So That's it was awesome. really weird. At that point, I was like, oh man, I haven't had many positive things go on in the police. Yeah. It's good to, actually good to have one of them in 23 oh, years. So. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Todd, I'm, do sure you find, I'm sure yeah. I'm, I'm actually positive there are, but do, do you find that like to do that type of role requires a certain mindset? So I'm, what I'm guessing, what I'm getting at, what I'm hearing is that you, yes, you like the adventure, the, the excitement, the, there was that, but he likes the dust ups. Oh, he likes the dust ups. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> not with you, Joe. <laughs> yeah. sure. He likes the dust up, but there's there's that, but that must obviously wear a bit after a while but so there's there's obviously something else going on up here that keeps you in that so um, have you ever thought about or, or or if you were able to nail it down to what that driver was for you yeah i um i suppose the benefit of being in for for quite a while is i, I did a lot of thinking about you know what and i always as part of my role as instructing i'd think about what drives people including mm. myself um because that was a big one um and for me, it was, I want to be first in the door because if something goes wrong, I want to be that guy. I don't want to be the guy next to me first in the door and something goes wrong with him. And mm. particularly when I had the experience and knowledge for a lot of things, mm. um, like I want to be there looking after the other guys and be that guy who's in the action first and helping out and whatever because of the guys next to me or whatever. So yeah. the last thing I'd want to do is hesitate, let the other guy go and him get into strife. So that was, that was the big driver, was just that. It wasn't, you know, there's the mission that you've got to focus on and things like that, um, mm. but it definitely wasn't the management. It wasn't what they were asking. It was just yeah, that guy yeah. next year um, and just making sure it all went well for everyone else on the team, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Beautiful. That's, that is powerful because, it, it, um, again, it's resonating with some, some of the other podcasts we've had and, mm. and, and they've talked about 100%. That. Yeah, and, and your teammates being everything. Um, you know, the mission is critical with your teammates everything, which is something that Joe shared with me a while ago. Um, and, yep. and phrase it, but it, it also highlights to me that um, how much you put others first. That, yeah. That's what it sounds like to me. So, uh, ha, 
tip the hat to, to you, Todd, that that's an awesome mindset to have. But also, I guess it, it also highlights to all of us that, you know, the police, wherever, however you may view police officers, right, but they're there generally to, to serve and yeah. to help and, and to, to make sure that people feel comfortable, like the girl with the PTS dog, that they see a trusted figure, generally speaking. So, yeah. That, that sounds pretty, mm-hmm. pretty cool. I like that. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I will say, like, um, police, you know, they get themselves in trouble sometimes and mm. definitely now with cameras and body-worn cameras <clears> now and everything <throat> like that. But what, you know, I was looking at it as what's happened to that guy and that police officer in the last four years. There's yeah. a lot of build-up that goes on. Um, I had, mm, I probably, dare I say it, I'm sure the, the time is up now that I can say things like this, but... Um, there was points there where I was walking the beat, so you know, three, four years in, yeah. where I remember I had this young guy who came out of a nightclub. Um, <laughs> he was he was no trouble. He was no Mr. Big Major Criminal or anything. He was just drunk and he'd been swearing, carrying on. So we had to get him off the street, basically take him to the lockup, and um, he'd get charged with disorderly and then let go. And yeah. so, but he'd be off Northbridge because he he just wouldn't. He'd given we given him all the warnings. So, yeah. but he. It was just it was just such a simple one, and I was talking to him. I was saying, "All right, mate, just um, what have you got in your pockets?" And he pulls out a lighter straight away. And I'm like, "All right, just hand over the lighter." He's like, "Nah, you're not having the lighter." And I, <laughs> I, I had a I, I worked out very quickly that I had a lot built up and I needed to have annual leave soon. But um, he, he's like, uh, he, he goes, "I go, mate, I don't I don't need to get into this. So just need the lighter, and then we'll jump in the car and and it'll all be good." And he's like, "Nah." No way you're having the lighter and it just kept going and going. Um, ended up, because we had all sorts of bad stuff going in the back of cages when you leave stuff in there, so mm. ended up having to put him in the, he started arcing out a bit, so we put him in the pod in the back of the cage um, of the van and he was just clenching this thing with his fist. So I ended up in the back of the van, I was sitting on his head and I was just, had his fist and I was just trying to crush the lighter yeah. out of it. Yeah. And, the other cops I was with, they, were, they saw and they kind of crowded around the back of the van, so there wasn't any uh, viewing going on. But I, was, I came out with like a splinter of a um, of a lighter. And the guy was going, well, what just happened? And then I, was, uh, I just said to the sergeant who was around the van, it was a pretty good team I was with, so they're like, yeah, cool. And I said, I, I'm going to book leave now. <laughs> but I see that with so many, you know, all these cops and they've got a, they're professional and they're supposed to be, do the right thing all the time. But sometimes there's just that build up what's the 12th person they've talked to that night. And, yeah. you know, so yeah. there are those things that do get them in trouble. Um, and I was a bit lucky with mm. um, mobile phones weren't around there. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so I do have to ask though, like when you put them in the back of the, the paddy wagon, do you find the street in, in like the CBD that has the most speed bumps? And of course you go slightly over. <laughs> do you do that? Well, a part of the vehicle testing is um, <laughs> but, um, Good. Uh, I would never. <laughs> no. Shocking. Shocking to think. That's oh, a, it's a, oh, it's a good question though. But I, just, I just thought of some stories, not me, but yeah. <laughs> Scrap those. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I, I really appreciate you, or well, we really appreciate you sharing that because, you know, that in and of itself as well also helps paint a picture for our listeners, whether they're serving members or not serving members, to hopefully have a bit better idea um, about, you know, there, there's, like you said, there's build up and stuff that's happening to these moments and situations, maybe not all the time, but probably a large majority of the time. And if people, 
could take the time difficult to do when they're in an intoxicated state though I realize um if they could take the time to to understand that or have have the conversation they, like you said just give us a light and everything will be fine just hop in the back and it'll be a cruisy ride but to have those situations and then I guess I liken that to you know that's that's the front line that's the stuff that's happening um that you need to deal with you and your peers need to deal with and then you get the peanut gallery that might be from the outside that don't understand what's happening uh and you know it's a good thing that the smartphones weren't around at that time um Mm -hmm. with regards to that particular incident but those sorts of things even today there's always a backstory now granted we're not going to get into the politics of some of the stuff that's happened in america and those sorts of things but I think it's really, you've highlighted some really good points, which my takeaways for me is that, yeah, there's there's background stories to everybody. There's probably some build-up that's happening. And the easiest thing is to try not to, well, easier said than done, try not to get in that mistake in the first place or get into that situation in the first place and avoid that drama. Mm, um, yeah. Man, some great points, but just, yeah, there's a lot of takeaways in there that I'm, that I'm gleaning from you. And so I want to ask you about life in... Um, the TRG. I'm going to skip forward to that and then I'll probably come back to some of your general duty stuff because you've, you've been speaking a little bit about that. But what has, what did your time in the TRG, because 15 years is a long time, obviously a lot of experience and stuff in training, um, the next generations and stuff that have come through and things are going really well. What, what else did it teach you? Were you married? Sorry, my first question. Were you married while you were in the TRG? Uh, yeah, I was uh, only about a year or, yeah, about a year, maybe two years, yeah. Into, into it? Into yeah. the start of your 15 um, years? Of... Before I started TRG, yeah. Probably yeah, right. Yeah. And so how how was that relationship-wise for you and and for your spouse, like in terms of the connection or communication and that sort of stuff? Because I would imagine there's lots of stuff you can't speak about. Yeah, I probably took it to the next level of uh, not telling her anything. And I apologise <laughs> for that. And yeah. <laughs> uh, my wife, Jamie, yeah, she's... Uh, she she's a nurse, so she's she's uh, she's seen a few things herself. Thank God, but yeah, that's why she's still around. But um, yeah, I, I some of the stuff yeah, I would I would not say anything and just um, you know just say I'll be home in three days. Whereas there is more that I could have said at times. Yeah. A lot of times, there's a lot of things I've learned through my career as well that I could have done better at the start. Um, mm. So there was that. Um, we had it's funny as well the the TRG. TRG evolved and changed in a lot of ways while I was in that 15 years. Um, but at the start, it was a lot of uh, big uh, alpha male type things going on and, and yeah. um, it was that sort of environment. So I, I kind of blended into that environment with my 73 kilo frame um, and just, <laughs> but attitude wise, it was a very, uh, dare I say, manly place to be. So you're like, you know, you everyone was cursing and chest puffing and a bit of that sort of stuff going on um and I, I remember one time my wife came she must have been in at work one time we had a partners in or something and she she saw me I forgot she was watching and I must have been talking to some of the guys she's like you're like you, you guys are totally different people when you talk to each other to when you get home or like <laughs> when I get home I'm back into surfing mode and you know, whatever but at work I'm like oh how you going like <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it was a, just blending in with the environment. I suppose you can't help but not. not yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, you know, communication-wise, definitely got a lot better at it towards the end than at the start. Um, yeah. Mm. And a lot more self-aware as far as that goes as well. So. Yeah, yeah. nice. It's yep. good to hear you say that. What What advice mm. would you give? 
to younger couples or people kind of like the, the landscape may have changed like prior to you getting out because you only got out 2019 right yeah yeah so so there may may have you've probably seen a whole lot of advancements and stuff but maybe maybe not maybe there's still some maybe there's still some young people that you've seen come through and you've seen got men yeah I was, I was like that or that's that's how I was what advice would you look to give from a from a relationship perspective and I guess I'll just try to give some context it's not it's not the easiest being in in a relationship in the role that you do, um, very similar to, to other lifestyles and stuff in general. So it's probably challenging being in a, in a relationship in general, right? But um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. particularly in something such as the TRG, which mm. in my, my very limited experience, it would be a, a need to keep a lot of very sensitive information private. Um, you know, you, you can't discuss or talk about a lot in terms of work and like how's your day sort of conversation isn't is sort of non-existent if that makes sense but as you said you learned a few things and got better at that towards the end what advice what would be some key bits of advice that you would give to younger guys maybe coming through or girls that are coming through into that trg environment and world and who may be in a relationship uh i would say like it, and it is hard when you start even now but it's a mm. different environment where you can speak about a lot more and even uh, mention your feelings every now and then and you don't get destroyed. So, um, <laughs> but uh, it's, yeah, I would say try and bring your partner along for the ride um, as much as you can. So, you know, it might just be um, humour about the day or what, what went wrong or, you know, training sessions, um, funny stories, things like that. But just something, just bring up something. Um, don't just, you know, you go to work, you come home, you're like, yep. How you going? Moved on from work. Silence, kind of yeah. silence, all that sort of stuff. Um, there are things that you can talk about, so it does make a big difference long term to just just let them know so they feel like they're part of. It, I suppose. Um, yeah, nice. So Lessen mm. the bumpy road as we go. Yeah, mm. <laughs> but like you say, uh, having a, a relationship is probably a hard thing in itself. So. Mm. <laughs> Just probably yeah, just made it a little bit harder by yeah not being able to talk about some things, but don't do it as extreme as I did. Feel free to yeah. talk about some things that you can talk about. I would say yeah, nice. That's yep. kind of like what what Moff was talking about when we did the interview with Harry Moffat, and he was saying having something. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was him. He said having that third thing outside of the unit. Yeah, um, he was saying yeah, yeah, something about that. Yeah, yeah. so um, it, so it's kind of in those senses making sure that you have that communication something that's outside of, of that but you should be able to connect that and but I can imagine how challenging it mm. would be because like Joe's talked about this you, you're talking about this now Todd when there's only so certain amount of things you can share or that you're willing to share because of the environment and the culture around it kind of pushes it that way but I'm glad you talked about that because yeah, communication is obviously key for a relationship right? yeah. I mean all things being equal but the here you to, to to articulate that it's okay to talk about this. It's okay to be able to share this, and it just makes you come across as more human and, and more vulnerable to you know to your your significant other. Yeah, and yeah. So, yeah that, that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I definitely. just I just hope you don't have to get to forty six years of age before you work that out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, different generations coming through now. I think they're better at it. But you know. yeah, well, let's let's hope so. And and I think um, you know through experiences and leaders like yourself, 
that have been able to be there and help with the training and the moulding and shaping of of those that are in those units now, um, yeah, is a testament to that, and hopefully they can glean and learn from that. What I will say before I ask you a question about funny things, just remind me, Brian. So funny things is the funny next thing. topic I want to get onto. But um, <clears throat> what I wanted to mention around, you know, just that advice and the information that you've given. There are things that can be shared that you, you can find a way if you if you think about it, which sort of ties into what you just shared here. You know, bring them along bring something up, find something that you can talk about. And if, you know, if we give it a little bit of thought, there are things that we can talk about, whether it's talking about our own mistakes. Oh, I stuffed up when I come down the rope or whatever, or whatever it was I was doing. I, I didn't do this properly. And it, it can at least help, like you said, the the spouse or the significant other feel that some, some way a little bit more connected that you don't have to, that they don't have to carry it on their own. You don't have to carry it on your own. You can talk mm. about some of that stuff. So funny things. That's, that was one of the next things. And I'm glad that you mentioned that. Are you, are there, because I know that you have shared some stuff, but I don't want to blurt it out. Um, would you mind sharing with us some of the, some of, and I know there'd be so many over a 23 year span, but what are, what are a couple of things, maybe one or two things that come to mind that you can share with us that, uh, you know, might cause a bit, I know it caused Brian and I to laugh out loud when we read the email, but, uh, and I'm sure it will for our audience and stuff as well, but those things as well also paint that human side to, to you as an individual, but also to the, I guess, to a degree, the lifestyle. So, um, yeah. The stage is yours with some funny stuff that's happened, mate. No, well, there's nothing funny has ever happened. <laughs> and I've never made a mistake. <laughs> um, that's, a, yeah, that's a story, but the real story. So, yeah, I mean, for me, and I, I um, self-depreciating humour is my thing. Um, so I, it, it actually started, I would say, exciting, but probably badly. My first year at TRG, I... Um, because I'd done the close personal protection um, work before I got there, yeah. I remember we took we took a group of um, new guys out training and doing some close personal protection driving and um, following cars and J turns and things. So, yep. well, sorry, J turns wasn't on the training schedule, but um, <laughs> you, know, I, you included I did, it. <laughs> I included it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we ended up down at a, at a in probably no city beach down at the car yep. park. Um, across the road from the beach, and yeah, we just pulled in because we'd uh, we'd finished our convoy driving. Yeah, uh, and I said, "Oh, okay, guys, this is pretty good car park. I'll show you how J turn works." And they're like, "Oh, are you sure about that?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, no worries, because we're in a four wheel drive, and I've done it in four wheel drives before, and things like that. A bit yeah. top heavy, but all worked out well the last few times. So, <laughs> um, no, no reason it shouldn't this time. No, other yeah. than." Good, good point that you bring up. Other than the fact we'd been four-wheel driving a couple of days before, and we'd let the tires down and pump the tires up, so um, the tires were not were not maximum optimum uh, pressure, I would say. Yeah. Uh, but with the kick tests, they seemed pretty good. So I kept, I kept um, one of the guys who's he's been with me through a lot of um, failings for some reason. We're in the car together. He's gone. Oh yeah, cool. I'll sit in the car. And the other guys are going. I'm out. And, uh, and, and they uh, they set out, kept their distance. They're like, oh, cool, watch this J-turn. And um, this guy even said he's, he's about 130 kilos um, solid and he's gone, oh, do we need to put a seatbelt on? I'm like, no, nah, don't worry about it. We're just going to look around and keep going. Um, so there's so many things. It's like crossroads everywhere. Um, 
And then I've gone, oh, no worries. So I've put it in reverse, floored it, getting up to about 40, 50 k's an hour in reverse, taken the foot off the accelerator, got the weight off the front of the car, whipped the steering wheel around, and it started coming around like it should. And then it's like getting angle, angle, angle. And the because um, the tyres are flat, the rims have actually carved like a U shape into the kitchen. Oh, and then we've gone bang, bang, bang. bang. <laughs> going like, oh my God. And in the car, I don't know, it was something like this um, with a, yeah, we're just bouncing off each other and, and ended up on the driver's side, I think it was. So um, he's gone. I went, I went to push up, I remember, to get off the um, window that I was laying on. Yeah. And, and he's gone, are you all right? And I felt the bone move in the collarbone. I'm like, nah, Pop. not great. Oh, and then, yeah. uh, but then uh, he climbed out and go, oh, let's get out quick because this is going to start hurting in a sec. Um, so kind of <laughs> one arm climbed out with a bit of help and uh, got over to the side of the road. And I don't know, do I bring up, I'll, I'll bring up this next story. Can I yeah. always that Go um, on, yeah, yeah. The next part of the story. So this is going to sound bad, but it seemed good at the time and I'll blame the injury. We walked over about... 50 metres away from the car and looking at the car on the side and I'm like, I'm squatting down, holding my collarbone. I'm like, okay, before the pain kicks in, this is what happened. There was a blue ute doing a burnout and I went to turn around to chase it and the wheels went pumped up and we rolled and uh, that was the story. So everyone goes, yep, cool, yep, story, yep. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And this was policing back in the day. That wasn't dropping everyone in now. Sorry, no and names here. No, no names. names. And then the, the boss, uh, two of the bosses came down and they were ex-operators and they know exactly how we work and how we think. And <laughs> the first guy goes, there's a blue ute. He's like, shut up. And then the next guy goes, yeah, boss, there was a blue ute. He's like, I don't want to hear it. And he, he comes out and he goes, like, just tell us what happened. It was a training incident. I'm like, yeah, we're doing a J10. It's like, yep, training accident, written off, no worries. Uh, so, well, there's a lesson, there's a few lessons there, but I don't yeah. know which one. But yeah, that was, that was, um, yeah, one year into it, I was just like, oh, I've written off a car already. And uh, <laughs> yeah, a few tragic things. And it, and it kind of spiraled from there over the 15 years. So I think, yeah. So, Todd, was it the, so was that, was that the go to? So there was a blue ute, boss. There was a blue ute. There was a blue ute. There was a blue ute. Dare I say, there's also a black dog. The black dog. We turned into there was a blue ute with a black dog in the back. Blue ute with the black dog. Yeah, come on. why not? Yeah, did, yeah. Did the colours change every now and then of the vehicles? Yeah, yeah. Three, <laughs> blue, red, yellow ute. With a black dog. <laughs> dog is always black. That's important. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. soon. Okay. What about um, hey? So you you obviously you spent some time obviously as well with uh, <clears throat> with royalty as well, yeah. and yeah. Uh, you took them you took them around. Who was it? Prince Harry, William, Prince Harry. Yeah, yeah. Prince Harry. Right. Yeah, well, yeah. What happened there? You took him. You got him a Macca's discount and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> hey, the police. The police McDonald's discount. Well, that's the thing. Some would brag about their time with Prince Harry, but I'll give you, yeah. Yeah. He uh, he, he was a good guy, actually, and this is around the time when the tabloids were saying he's just a party animal, whatever. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, right. We had him over here. I can't remember what year it was, but the Rugby World Cup was on. So he went to a couple of the games over here, um, and then we, we took him to a pub in Perth, like, to watch one of the games, which was um, Interstate. Right. And basically, he just had a cap on and kept his cap down low. And we sat at the back of the pub and whatever. Um, 
and I was doing the, the driving for that one. Um, so he, yeah, he did the low key, sit there, watch the whole game, and towards the end of the game, people were like, hang on. Hang on. Yeah. <laughs> and then, no, it was like, time to go. But so that was all good. But then, yeah, as we took off, um, it was about 10 o'clock at night, and we're heading through uh, area Belmont and just talking about, oh, we're going to get to eat, and Macca's drive through came up. <laughs> so. We drove through the Macca's drive-thru and while we were waiting, one of the guys, um, the protection guys, and there's a couple of UK protection guys in the car as well, they go, ah, well, you guys get a discount? I'm like, yeah, get a discount. <laughs> so we ended up, I think we got five, um, we got five McDonald's meals and I kind of half flashed the badge on the way in and we got the 50% off and so Prince Harry got his first ever 50% Macca's discount <laughs> in Perth. I'm sure it's his claim to fame. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Did he did he enjoy his meal? Do you know? Uh, I think he I think he enjoyed it. I think probably he probably the value. Like the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good deal. Good deal, all right. Hey, I was gonna ask you as well, um, is there anything you would change about your service, whether that was in the TRG? Or in the police force, if you could, if you could have changed anything or done something differently, is there anything that comes to mind? Yeah, um, and I probably listening to your podcast was interesting because you're saying the way you left a little bit was, mm. um, you know, with management yeah. type um, issues and a little bit of headbutting maybe. But well, it was just more <laughs> me being arrogant and stupid. Oh. Like, yeah, my ma- the management that I had were really good people. I just. Uh, couldn't see it at the time. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we TRG is interesting management where we get different bosses in for th- two or three years at a time, and they revolve around. Uh, they don't. They're not. Majority of them are not. Never been in TRG before. They've been in uh, like running detectives' offices and things like that. So right. the culture that they come from is where their rank, senior sergeant, inspector, whatever it may be. They they say jump and everybody jumps and all this sort of stuff happens. Gotcha. Um, yeah, yeah. And the culture definitely from when I started at TRG was the guys on the ground with the experience. Like it was, um, you didn't wear rank. Rank wasn't an issue. It was like mm-hmm. if you've been there longer, then listen to that guy because he knows what's going on. Yeah. Um, that changed a bit over time. Rank came in a lot more. Um, wow. But it was still the guys. There's guys on the ground that had done ten, you know, fifteen years around that time. That had been through. We've done all this training, particularly had had the benefit of the regiment guys um, training with them, and we've done all these jobs and learnt from all these things. Yeah. And then we get the new boss comes in who says, all "Right, this is how we're going to run it." And uh, it's <laughs> far and out. So we used to we'd spend you almost guaranteed a year and a half of um, butting heads. Yeah. And then half a year of negotiating, and then maybe the last year or a bit less of smooth sailing, and the next boss comes in. And then you've got to do it all again. Um, then you've got to do it all again. So wow. um, for me, yeah, probably uh, quite stubborn where I I knew how I wanted things to go, but yep. to the point where if if one of the boss, new bosses would say, this is how we're doing it, uh, particularly if he said it, you know, barking orders and yeah. it wasn't urgent, I'd be like, well, no worries, boss, but we've tried that and we've done that. And what about this way? Like, nah. And then I'd be like, ah, we can't tell me that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's so many, just dealing with management and and when I think about it, you know, I was trying to help the, the new guys and everything and trying yeah. to help the place evolve and training and equipment get better and things like that. I, that could have been done so much better just by working with the bosses, um, no matter who they are, and just, you know, <laughs> easing them into their different culture and things like that. Um, yeah, yeah. But my fallback for the majority of the time was 
no, nah, they're wrong. This is how yeah. we've done it. And, and yeah. their fallback would have been, well, they can't tell us that. They're wrong. Yeah. And so, you know, the amount we achieved could have been so much more. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, a lot of years, a lot of years spent, a lot of energy spent on things that could have worked a lot more smoothly, I'd say. So everyone yeah. with good intentions from all sides, no doubt. Yeah. But, um, that would definitely be a big one that I'd, that I'd change for sure. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that, Todd. That's great to hear. And yeah, I mean, yeah, hindsight's a beautiful thing, eh? And, and if only yeah. we could uh, have fast forward and, and see those things or go back in time and speak to ourselves, that sort of takes that question uh, out of this this particular conversation with yourself. But really pleased to hear you, hear you talk about those aspects. Um, I want to, from my side, sorry, Brian, I'll let you jump in. Yeah, yeah, no. Sorry, Joe. Oh, go on then. No, okay, okay, I'll jump in just quickly. I'm still fixated on on Harry doing a Macca's run. (laughs) You want to know what he ordered, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, what is it? (laughs) Good question. Uh, I'll give you a uh, quarter pounder meal. Oh, oh, my memory's a bit hazy though, so you might pull me up on it. Uh, but lightweight, <laughs> but lightweight, I will take that. But yeah, yeah no, sorry. That, that, that was that was I was thinking about. It's interesting because I, I I just saw in um, reading through some of your brief, and there's that thing you wrote, making the place better than when I arrived, uh, and it's something you wrote down. And, I, and, I, mm-hmm. and just listening to you talk, I was like, man, that's that's exactly what I'm hearing. And yeah. isn't that interesting? Yeah, you know, we. We try. We, we may butt heads. We may be in a place where the things are not going the way we'd like it. We disagree with others, but ultimately we want to leave the place better than when we arrived. I th- that that actually helps build a, I think, a better culture overall, longer term than just oh look, it's all about me. I'm the biggest and the baddest. That'd be yeah. fair. Hmm. Yeah, um, and and I'm going to give full credit to the All Blacks uh, legacy book. I think they those words uh, mm. are from there, but it's yeah. because it resonates so much. But yeah, a lot of their the value one of the values they've got is yeah, leaving the place better than when you when you found it, and that's 100 percent yeah. Uh, and I think if everyone everyone thinks that way, yeah, you're guaranteed you're laughing. So yeah, yeah. that's a great point. Great comment too. Brian, good to know it was a the quarter pounder uh, <laughs> as well. Good to know, um, but yeah, no, those those are really yeah, they're powerful words, and and I really like that when I read that as well. Like Brian was just saying um, when he read in your brief, and it seems to come through just with everything that you've touched on and spoken about so far, which is probably a nice sort of transition into. Um, I want to speak a little bit about, so you started developing, was it both the businesses saw consulting and home building solutions five years prior to getting out? Was that right, Todd? Or? Uh, yeah, initially saw consulting. Um, so my dad is a, he's been a business uh, strategy type coach for 20 years plus wow. beforehand. So yeah. he, um, which is funny because I didn't really know what he did um, <laughs> when he went to work, but the the more I work with him, the more I realised how much, you know, all these businesses are hunting him and they yeah, love what he right. does. And, and I see what he does. I'm like, man, it's like um, voodoo That's magic. brilliant. The stuff that he does, but <laughs> yeah. uh, a lot of experience with that. So he so he identified, like, I talked to him about, you know, some of the jobs and TRG stuff that we do and the planning and stuff. So yeah. he identified that the a lot of, so many businesses, you know, they focus on their strategy, their vision, their mission, but they put so little focus on the um, actual execution. Execution. And their, yeah. Mm. Um, we call it tactical execution, basically. So, it's, and it's all to do with um, basically the way we we'd run it and we have run it is working with the executive team or whoever the senior management might be to 
you know, work out what their goals may be and what their aligns with their vision, obviously, and what their primary goals may be. Yeah. And then bringing that to the the management team and the teams on the ground to run them through some planning as a team um, and it, and coming up with their own call it mission but we call it objectives um, just to change the terminology a bit yeah. of what they want to achieve for the for these projects uh, and, nice. and planning 90 day projects basically where they get to work as a team they embed the values of the uh, organisation so really through through action they're um, working on the values as well yep. and we do things with them where we'll you know we'll We'll debrief throughout the project, and you know what what can we do? What's going well? What can we do better? Uh, and then and then work with them to get them to open up to each other. And basically, by the end of the ninety days, the plan is that they've um, one they've achieved their goals, or they've done something you know much better for the organisation, and they'll feel that sense of achievement. But two is that they're really really um, working together as, as a call it a high performance team where they're really open communication they trust each other mm-hmm. and they've got a, a small small knit team within a big organisation kind of thing and the differences have been huge from the, from start to finish um, and all going well you know we'll do the next 90 day project with that with that business and um, keep it flowing from there so and, and we've really seen that some small teams they get the values they start really working together but then everyone else in the organisation, others latch onto it, and they feel the, you know, they feel the vibe, they feel the uh, motivation, everything going on, and it really um, improves the environment of the whole organisation by working in small teams and getting that team going. So, yeah, it's been good to watch from a um, from an outside outside the uh, policing point of view. It's uh, yeah, beautiful man. That's an awesome that I can I can picture that just in terms of what you're sharing and it's great. Maybe if you can spend well you, you have already, but so you're the saw this is the saw consulting side of things that you've just described. Yeah. And so you guys um, who are the or you don't need to name the companies, but it's it sounds is it uh, quite corporate? You're looking after a number of corporate entities or companies and stuff that come to you guys for help? Yeah, so there's some some quite big national organisations. There's other nice. um, like local, a couple of local councils, um, yeah. and even some really um, small businesses where we get to work with the whole team basically. So oh, yeah, it's awesome. been a, it's been a really good mix. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting learning the um, you know the biggest jump for me was learning the business terminology. After a while, it's like yeah, they're 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 saying the same sort of things, but initially it's like. Um, yeah, a lot of different words and terminology. Yeah, language. almost so a different language. Yeah, adapting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So, did you do some study? Were you doing some study in business as well? Did you do that before or whilst you were serving in the police? Uh, I've done um, cert fours and things like that. I've done yep. part of a business degree, um, <coughs> but no, I've got to do more study. I'm looking at different MBA options uh, nice. coming up, definitely mm. to just to you know get more of a feel for the. Um, civilian yeah world and that sort of thing so but yeah um, could, that'll, that'll be coming up soon as well yeah do, do you find that the way you approach say working say operationally with TRG right and then working and doing your soul the soul sore sorry consulting and um, working with different corporates and councils and stuff do you find that that, that um, the energy is it's still there it's the same for you but just from a like a different context you, do you find you still you still find it engaging? Yeah, I um, I love yeah, I just love anything to do with the you know seeing a team go from from here to here mm. and mm. and the difference in results that it makes. Like I'm I'm coaching a surf boat crew that are um, they're doing quite well, and but just working with individuals 
Um, and this, from years of CQT training as well, and things yeah. like that, working on individuals and what what's going to uh, motivate them and what's their drivers versus you know this is what suits the whole group. But um, yeah, the the inspiration for me is just seeing the the difference in results from start mm. to finish. Um, slight differences, definitely at the start. You know, a lot of things you see where, and I spoke to someone else who, or one of the girls who was at TRG doing. Um, uh, writing up a lot of our manuals and things. She's got a, a good background in South African police and all this sort of stuff, but she loves that team environment. And I was talking to her about leaving. She even feels the, she feels the hardship of leaving because she was with us for about three years. Um, but she was saying the difference where she is now in, in uh, policing tactical training at the academy is that, you know, at TRG, everyone just fills the gaps and gets in and does it. And yeah. it doesn't need to be spoken most of the time. It's just like, if that's not being done, someone's already in it before you blinked. Um, and where she is now, it's um, people have to be told or they'll just sit at the desk and wait to be told. So yeah. Yeah, there's a bit of that in the private sector. Um, and that definitely improves throughout the, the process for sure. Um, but mm. yeah, initially that's uh, that's one of those things that you see, you're like, oh, that, you could be, what else could you be doing right now, you know? But, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So interesting, man. That, those are great points. I love how you, you spoke about some of the stuff that you guys are doing, but also how that <clears throat> transfers into teams developing this trust because it's um, trust in one another. And then those smaller teams, they then either go into the organizations and then they other people see those individuals and or that team working so effectively. And when you see that, you're like, yeah, I'm, you know, I want a piece of that. I want to be able to do that too. Like it's yeah. just a... Uh, it's a really cool thing to witness and see and it can and it does and it is able to happen like it happens in the TRG it can happen in the military because the the regiment these days at least just speaking from Australia and even here in NZ to a degree is they're much larger units than what they were when I was in anyway I'm not sure what TRG is like overall is that is that quite a big entity like in WA uh, it's yeah it's probably it's not big it's okay I'd say um, all up, including admin and everything else, support that goes with it, maybe yep. 80, 80 or so. Oh, wow. Mm. Yeah. So, wow, yeah. Um, Highly it, effective it, team, very yeah. small. But, yeah, smaller than what I was anticipating in my head for WA. Yeah. No, and, and I see, like you're saying, the benefits of jumping in with the SAS, SAS guys here and things like that. You, yep. The difference being a lot of the time we kind of, you know, you see them and they've got guys that are designated to go out and find venues for training and all this sort yeah. of stuff. We are like a, I guess, a small business to a big business. We do everything. We go out yeah. and find training and then we're yeah. running training or we're in training. Yeah. And we're like, <laughs> you don't, there's nothing you don't do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wearing many hats, wearing all the hats. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> remember what hat you're wearing. Yeah. <laughs> and just on that, actually, I didn't I didn't ask you, but uh, again, I'll probably come back to this point because I'd love for you to speak a bit more. We haven't even spoken about the other company, which you're a director of, which you spend quite a lot of time there too, which which is amazing in terms of the work that you're doing in that home building solution space, but we'll come back to that. What was it like for you? Um, obviously, you went through two selections, completed and passed the first one, but it was only because there wasn't a lot of people leaving the unit, which now makes sense to me if there's only about 80 at the time. So then they just made a decision where well, you've got to do it again, you've done that. What was it like being on the other side of your selection for you and seeing candidates mm. come through? Oh, it's nice, isn't it? It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I've been, I, I was on the good side for a lot of years and then I went and did a couple of courses where I was on the wrong side again. I'm like, oh, I know what you're doing to us, but I can't do anything about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it, no, it's uh, it's just 
I mean, the benefits of being on the course and on the CQT course is you know, you know, you know, you're shooting moons of rounds and you're doing all these run throughs, and there's so much time, effort, and money going into you. It's like a yeah. Like, I remember feeling like, oh man, this is such a bonus just to be, you know, they're spending all their effort on us, um, and we're getting all their skills out of it. But then, yeah, later on, being on the other side of it, um, the benefits of seeing, you just you just see so much. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know what I was, I don't know what they were looking at when I was doing it. It'd be interesting. <laughs> um, well, that's my next question, characteristics. But yeah, sorry, carry on. Yep. Um, and yeah, no, just being on the other side, I uh, I guess I had, because I had so much to do with the CQT side of it and some to do with the selection. Um, but I got to see all the different characters and then, particularly if you see them on selection, then carry through the CQT and then watch watch out for things. Like I say, we we ran our CQT, especially in the first couple of weeks, as we're training them up, but we're yeah. also being wary of who we're who we're working with, yeah. um, personality wise. Um, and then so that that was a tough point because really, you know, training them up really you want to just go. Oh, I want to give them everything and train them whoever it is to the best of the ability. But sometimes you're thinking, oh, this guy, you know, he's not a team player. He's yeah, whatever it may be that we that we isn't going to work here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the I kind of used to throw in. Um, I used to, and I picked up something that Brian said in in when you were getting interviewed, Brian, in your podcast was the I can't remember the wording used, but the the pressure is great for the training, but the um, too much pressure or overwhelm or stress is is mm. so bad for it. So um, my role, I used to see it as there's a lot of instructors and and people that and and students put the pressure on themselves massively as well. So there's yeah. natural pressure. My role was just to keep it lighthearted um, while still keeping the safety aspect. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. glad you said safety. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, had to be reminded of that every now and then. But yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, I, I, uh, I thought I saw that as really important, and I could see some people, particularly in the early years when I was instructing and, and watching out for these things, a lot people would implode just on their own stress. Mm let alone being told that they're doing a crap job and whatever and they're just like you see them over the period of a week or two weeks just fold up into their shell and by the time they uh, got told they were leaving they were just like oh thank you um, <laughs> so, um, but if those same people you could see where they if they worked out how to relax and um, they didn't think it was sheep stations all the time or they um, you know they had their own pressure they um, you know they really flew through it sometimes so yeah, right. um, that was kind of that was my main priority towards him was just to find that balance for everyone yep. if someone was not um you know if someone was mucking around or you know a, a bit of a joke or whatever i wouldn't i wouldn't make it lighthearted for him you know i'd keep him mm-hmm. like keeping that zone i suppose good good learning zone but yeah you got to see a lot of things and the way different people learn nice um, kinesthetic audio visual learners and things like that but yeah um, yeah lots of learning through the through instructing basically yeah work it Oh, sorry. Go, Brian. No, let's go. That's, that's actually really fascinating to me because it's it's like um, it's Nick talked about um, increasing their bandwidth for oh, yes for mm. operators yeah. and for you know, yeah, like yeah. yourselves to be able to to do that. And you you did that to some extent. You know, we're talking about instructing as you instruct, but understanding your people that you're instructing and bringing the humour to it because I often mm-hmm. find when you've the appropriate humour at the appropriate time alleviates some of that stress and you know generates those those good feel good hormones and stuff like that when you're able to have a good laugh but I'm also glad that you talked about the safety aspect as, as well <laughs> right. oh, yeah. I can imagine <laughs> how they could go pear-shaped quickly but isn't it interesting how you said 
that you know, if somebody is naturally uh, more of that joker side when they're not paying, that seem like they're not paying attention to it, then you, you, you adapt according to the personality and the type. So that means then that you're, you're paying attention to the way people interact and how they interact with you. So it, it must be, how did you find when you're instructing the, the um, being able to read somebody like that and be able to, and help, I guess how, what I'm trying to get at is how, how quickly were you able to nail, okay, that person, I need to do this, this person, I need to do that. And, and I guess a lot of that was subconscious. Do you think you, you were able to do that quite quickly? Uh, I think for most people within the first couple of days, yeah. Right. Um, and I don't know, maybe I think a policing thing in general mm. is, is reading people. Mm. Um, yeah. mm. So there's all that kind of background initially anyway. But, yeah, um, yeah within uh, – and there's trial and error, you know, probably – You'd make it too lighthearted for the wrong person. You'd see him go off the rails and do something crazy. Like, yep, uh, that was my fault. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like um, I had the benefit of doing it for a, for a lot of years in a row, and yeah, really kind of worked out what type of personalities need to be where and and what works for them. So yeah. I really think by the end of my time there, whereas at the start we would we were losing people through oh they can't do it they can't do it. Towards the end, it was like. Um, I really felt like we could train, we could get just about anyone across the line um, wow. that we want to with the right environment, uh, having yeah. done the selection beforehand and things like that. So yeah, gotcha. There was, mm. was a big difference, but also a big probably mentality difference when I started at TRG. It was like um, cut them all and the survivors survive to, towards the end where we're like, well, if, they're, you know, if they've got a good personality, what can we do to get them through? And mm. I think we worked out some good, good methods to get the ones that we have to get through, yeah. That's that's awesome. That that really ties in nicely with what Nick was saying earlier about that environment. They've proven that they can drag their knuckles for the week or the three weeks, whatever it is, and now it's about trying to create that environment. If we've got the right people, they'll probably highlight themselves anyway, or, or the wrong people, they'll probably highlight themselves, which sort of leads me to this question. So what sort of, what sort of qualities and traits are you looking for? Because I'm assuming that everybody will say, well, you just be a good person, be a good bloke, be a good you know person in general, and, and probably most of us will think that we're good people, or say that we're good people. So I guess what what would stand out to you? What specific, if if you're able to to sort of label those or name them, what specific traits really stuck out to you? Because that CQT training is still going to be arduous. It's still going to be difficult. Mm. There's still a lot of information to steal. Ryan Wilson's uh, phrase. He said it's like drinking out of a fire hose and just trying to <laughs> get all this information in. Um, what would stand out to you about the individuals that, that make it through, not only the selection, but through the CQT stuff? Um, just a good bloke, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. There is a good bloke clause, though, isn't there? Yeah, um, yeah there is, there is sorry. definitely. Yeah. Um, I would say, so, yeah, I, I uh, spend a lot of time trying to work out. You could see operators come through the CQT <laughs> And, you know, you have all different levels once they're in TRG. You know, some yeah. are, you know, absolute superstars and others are um, pretty good and others, you know, there's there's a variety. So I was trying to work out what makes a uh, superstar a superstar, not that you mm. want a whole bunch of superstars in the team probably. But yeah. um, what I the only thing I could pick really, there's so many different things in, that happen on the CQT yeah. um, and they need to be, you know, keeping up the pace and learning and everything like that. But yeah. the biggest thing with the ones that became superstars was what they did after the CQT, um, which was where they just wanted to learn, they wanted to to get mm. better all the time. So it was just 
the, nice. if I put it back to what was happening on selection and on CGT courses, there was tiny snippets of those people doing a little bit extra, uh, yeah. a little bit more drives, yeah, just doing tiny extra things where, um, you know, on those courses, everyone knows they're being watched except when they yeah. think they're not being watched. Uh, yeah, yeah. And they're my favourite times when they forget. Um, <laughs> but they, yeah, the, the, the times where guys think, yep, I've done enough, the DS has seen me do that, and there'll be mm. that guy who's in the background still doing the extra gun that needs cleaning or the extra picking up something new or, yeah. Um, and that, it just, it's only, you know, one minute, 30 seconds a day, but it just carries on into the rest of their career and they just become really good, so. Yeah, Brilliant, man. Wow. That's awesome. What a great insight and uh, and great tips or great tip and advice for people. Because you mentioned that sort of ties in with the other stuff that you mentioned, being in that environment where you don't need to tell people what, you know, that they see that that needs to be done or that vehicle needs a hand to get their stuff unloaded or they need hands with their weapons or whatever the case might be. Um, yep. It doesn't need to be said. You see it and then they go and they go and do it. Um, and then you, you get into an environment sort of separate to that and all of a sudden you it's well, I know it's done my head in a number of times thinking, why aren't you, you can see yeah. that needs to be done and then you'll go over and start and go, hey, do you want to, it, it's, uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is it, it, it still annoys me the need to have to ask people that can see something that's so obvious. But at the same time, I've sort of been learning that we've been exposed, I guess, to, to a large degree and you, in your case, 23 years to an environment where you've absorbed and, and developed those traits and habits. Whereas when I go out and then I've had a bit broader view and working with a number of people that haven't come from that environment, I can understand. I'm better able, it doesn't make me any happier, but I'm better yeah, able to understand, yeah. okay, yeah, they haven't been exposed to that type of environment. So that that's why I have to tell that person, hey, can you go and do this but then at the same time they'll go well I don't like being micromanaged and it's like well Blinken yeah. get up and go do it <laughs> so out of interest Joe do your kids do you think they pick up things and fill the gaps or where yeah. are you over there actually yeah. that's, a, that's a great question um, yeah funnily enough I, I don't know if I think my wife might have touched on it with Brian but yeah the, the kids definitely um, when they know dad's home or coming home or they hear the garage door open it's like boom, everybody's moving and things are getting packed up, tidied up, moved um, because yeah, right. they know. But, they, yeah, that, that started from a young age when I was being, you know, I was expecting them to do stuff like an adult when they were just toddlers. Um, yep. But now the stage, you know, now they're a bit older, I do expect them to be able to keep those. But, yeah, so I have noticed that from in response to your question with, with regards to our kids, they're, they're sort of wired that way. They have their moments where sometimes I'll come back and I'll go, what the heck's this? And I'll catch them off guard. So those moments yeah, yeah. where they're thinking <laughs> I'm not there because sometimes I'll come home and I'll park up and uh, <clears throat> I'll sneak around <laughs> the house <laughs> yeah, and then come in just to see what they're doing. And then that's usually uh, when I bust them. <laughs> so, your, so your home life is like a selection course. <laughs> I just want to get through. Yeah. You just need the obstacles in the backyard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been watching the kids do burpees. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised the kids. Actually, my uh, youngest one, little rat bag, she uh, padlocked the gates. So, I, well, she she cable tied the gates. She grabbed the plastic cuffs, stuck them through, and zip tied the gates closed. So I couldn't just put my hand through and open it up. I had to climb the gates. <laughs> so find a bit, yeah. Did you nod your head and go, yeah, well played? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then I told her to go cut those off. Don't do yeah. that again. <laughs> <laughs> Did she put an alarm at the top of the... Ruin it, yeah. yeah. They'll be booby-trapping oh, yeah. the next. Yeah. <laughs> Ruining my surprise. Just, but, yeah. um, 
No, that's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Really good points and and interesting to hear about the qualities. I love that, just this overwhelming desire to learn, to get better all the time, doing the little things, doing the little bit extra. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. One last part that I've got around the selection, for me at this stage anyway, is was it common for people on your selection and or the CQT to pull themselves off or was it something – that sounds wrong, eh? So remove themselves from the <laughs> to remove themselves from the if course. They're standing in the dark for too long. <laughs> <laughs> to, to remove themselves from the course, or to have instructors like yourselves that are taking them to say, "Hey, no, nah, th- this person isn't suitable um, for here." And would you guys just say, "Yeah, no, nah, your time's done." What was that sort of process? Uh, it was ninety-nine percent they'd remove themselves from the course. Yeah, gotcha. Um, yeah. It was very rare that we'd go, oh, oh, you know, we had guys that have cramped from day one and dragged their cramped leg through to day five and you just go, man, there's no, like, you're actually holding up the course, so <laughs> come back next time, but don't pull a cramp, um, <laughs> sort of stuff. Um, but, yeah, it was people, I, I, uh, I don't know if this is different with the, you know, the military side of it to me seems like people are that way inclined before they start the regiment selection. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the policing side of it, I think, I suspect we get a lot of um, maybe uh, Call of Duty players and things like that sometimes. <laughs> so, <laughs> they've done, they do three burpees before they get there. And, uh, they're like, oh my God. And within the first hour, we're guaranteed to lose three. And uh, wow. every time I'm like, it baffles me. I'm like, I don't know what you thought it was. Yeah, um, yeah. And they, they, they always say, yeah, I didn't expect that. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, well, I forgot the actual question there. But yeah, oh, oh yeah, it was a wrap. Yeah, whether or not <laughs> yeah. they removed themselves or you guys, yeah. That's right, yeah. So, they, yeah, they do remove themselves and, and we lose a lot um, early on, not just the first hour, but, you know, the first couple of days is the majority yep. gone and it's um, – we've had – ex-regiment guys do the TRG course and obviously it's a lot oh, different right. yeah. um, but I, I haven't picked their brains about you know what they thought yeah. it's still it's physically as hard as you can go so I guess there's a maximum you know it's not the difference yeah, yeah. being that you know it's only a week or two weeks or whatever it's going to be um, the, the regiment one to me seems like unattainable if your mindset isn't right yeah. Um, like yeah, it's yeah. almost day by day, minute by minute or whatever it may be, not having mm-hmm. done it. But the TRG one, you'll know, you'll know in advance like when you're going to finish. You've got so an end a, date. and yeah. There is an ending, yeah, yeah. Um, gotcha. So there is that. But, yeah, we definitely lose a lot in the first couple of days and then we, you get a good core group that just hang in there and you know you're not going to shake anyone and you're just testing for different personality traits and things. So, yeah. Mm. Man, awesome. That's so cool to hear. Um, but also absolutely a lot of similarities. I, I wonder... Just hearing you mention that you know people know that there's an end date um, in terms of the TRG one. I wonder if that would not that I want them to change it, but I wonder if that mm-hmm. would change the, I guess people's mindset. People have a rough idea; they know it's three weeks, but even then, like you said, everything's a test. You're not sure. Is it really three weeks? Or now we're on day twenty-five? Or am I on day twenty-five? Or is it day eighteen? You just sort of <laughs> you start to lose track of of days and times. But I guess that's the rough time frame in terms of three weeks. But I love how you've how you've shared and spoken about a, a, a glimpse anyway, because what we don't want to do here is obviously give away all the 
or the stuff that people are expected to go through because I guess they can go onto YouTube and look stuff up. Um, <laughs> if, sad, yeah. yeah, if they <laughs> if they want to. But um, really respect and appreciate what you do and have done and, and what the people that have come in after you are able to do as well. Um, I'm going to go back to, so we spoke briefly about SOAR Consulting and I'll get you to just sort of uh, mention that at the end as well. But could you speak about the home building solution side of things because then I want to come back to um, your transition and, and probably just delve into that in a, into a little bit more detail how, how that's been I'll get into that but yeah, the home building solutions would you mind speaking about that and what you do and, and why you got into that space yeah so home building solutions is about um, working with people to work out what they want as far as it's all new home building so yeah really getting a good understanding of what people want, whether that's house and land packages or just a new home to build on their block, et cetera. Mm. Um, the difference between that and the average you know, sales rep for a building company, which I um, have also done, is that you're not, you're not trying to pigeonhole people into like, that's what you want, great, here's the solution. So, um, and squeeze you into that box of solution gotcha. there. It's, yeah, yeah. Uh, to me, when people are building the new home, you know, there's so many questions. It's so different to buying an established home, and there's it's a it's a lengthy process, which can be quite painful if it doesn't go right or you're not with the, mm. the right person that's helping you out. I suppose um, so. It's about getting people from from A to B uh, into their new home as smoothly as possible, running through the process with them, but also with an understanding of exactly what they want, finding the best yeah. person to do that for them, whether whether they're chasing, you know, the absolute best price first home buyers you know five dollars makes a difference or whether they want really good value quality um still for a reasonable price that sort of thing or you know gotcha. single story double mm. story all these different options and all different builders and different builders specialize in different things as well so yeah um getting people into the right space versus um forcing them into like have this home this is ideal wow. for you because people people just don't know a lot most people don't know if they haven't built before yeah. especially they you're not going to know whether what they're getting is good or bad. So um, it's just providing wow. that service, done for your service from from start to finish. Yeah, mate, that's awesome mm. and and so different. Well, uh, the service aspect seems to be a consistent theme with you, Todd. First off, yeah. but um, mm. that that the businesses from the from the policing background to the saw consulting saw consulting actually when i look at even when i look at the website cool website and the stuff that you guys do even the way that's laid out in my mind it it seems like something that is probably um and correct me if i'm wrong but seems like something that's quite a natural progression for you particularly with your policing background and moving into that working with small teams specialist teams and developing this great camaraderie trust and execution all that sort of stuff that goes along with it and then this home buildings like I can see there's elements there but the what the service that you're providing there again is probably the the main thing that rings out for me in terms of trying to help these people like you're right who would have probably no idea the vast majority don't know what they're getting into when they're looking to particularly build their home or, or a new home um, or even purchase a home so seeing that and then coming back to your transition so these are two quite they seem quite distinct and different to me but again correct me if I'm wrong um, how did you end up creating and developing both of these businesses considering you only left the TRG or the police force in 2019 a couple of years ago yeah so saw consulting um, I was I was doing uh, with while well, I was in the police um, yeah okay so yeah, yeah you we did say that, that. 
Yeah, I didn't. Um, it's interesting doing anything in the police because you can't. Social media is not a thing. Yeah, um, and you know, self promotion is not a natural thing. That's for sure. Because yeah, yeah, everything's just under wraps. Um, so yeah, we just pretty much just went word of mouth, and we've been doing that. You know, that way since. Um, haven't really pushed it for that, but. To me, transitioning, so I know with the SOAR consulting side of things, it's great when the economy's um, going well and businesses are keen to develop their leaders and They're teams. And like yep. that. Um, the concern for me is when the economy's not going that well that, you know, it's one of those things that's a bit of a roller coaster. Gotcha, um, yeah. While we build it up. But so, so with that in mind, I started getting some experience in the, um, one of the ex, one of the TRG guys had left and gone into new home building um, with Dale Alcock Homes. So yep. I started looking into that with him and getting experience um, as in working for a builder there and pretty much jumped full-time into that um, from policing Wow! Uh, and then went to another builder from there. But, yeah, I learned, learning the ropes and learning how it all works through them, through a couple of really um, decent builders, but really an eye-opener into the whole home building industry. Um, and you're right, it's totally different out of the out of the box from policing and sort of mm. consulting, but it was a, uh, a the income the, that would support me and pay the bills yep. and all that um, from leaving. So yep. it was, uh, and it was definitely something um, out of the policing world. So good idea, good way, seemed like a good way to transition. Um, nice. But then, like I say, as I as I went through the you know the home building with different builders and things like that, and um, still help a lot of people get the new homes through those particular builders. Um, you can see the gaps and you can see where, uh, you know, the builders the builders love to get them in and just like, you're coming with me kind of thing, um, yeah. no matter what's best for them. And you can see where, you know, oh man, you could, you could be doing better over here or this could work for you or whatever. Um, so that was kind of where the, the home building solutions came from was, and I suppose my mind on that, my mind has always worked that way in TRG and, probably before that is like um this is good but how can we do it better was kind of the mm. mentality mm. Uh, awesome. and it evolved into that like yeah if i can get these people and show them a better way to do it then then it's a smoother pass for them and a better result and things like that so work it yeah that's great man thanks for that information and yeah again why well, i mean it just ties in with with your your level of service and what you do and and the way that's gone about how has so the transition for you though like Coming from such a tight-knit group, a small, numbers-wise small in terms of the TRG, but extremely tight-knit, um, the stuff that you've been able to do there, how did you find, uh, and I realise it's only been a couple, well, only, but it's been a couple of years that you've been out, have you found that easy or has it been challenging um, for you from a personal perspective, purely, you know, because of the relationships that are, and friendships that I imagine you have there and still have there um, and that environment, it's very different now, uh, dare I say, slow paced or slower, much slower paced to what you've been used to. How have you found that and how are you coping with that? Well, you're going to send me into a rage now, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, uh, it's, uh, it's interesting. <clears throat> the guy the guy, I jumped ship and jumped into Dale Alcott Homes with initially, yeah. he he had been out a couple of years and he was saying straight away, he goes, oh, you know, how is it leaving? What's what's your thoughts on that? Yeah. And I said to him, um, oh, you know, I've, I've done 
15 years TRG, I feel like I've done what I needed to do. So I don't think I'm, don't think it'd be an issue. Like it's different from me, right? Totally different to everyone else that's ever done it, um, <laughs> uh, uh, which is stupid. Um, <laughs> and then no, but I thought I thought maybe I'd you know a bit older than him, and I'd I'd done you know every, most jobs that could be done and all that yep. sort of stuff. So it's like oh no problem. I think about a year into it, uh, and I, I was watching a couple of sales reps kind of stab each other in the back over different leads and like, oh, I spoke to this guy first and I was like, oh my God, what world am I in? Um, uh, so that's when it started to go downhill a bit, I reckon. Um, mm-hmm. But I've always, when I first left, I, I always thought the the one thing that I missed, it wasn't the jobs and the all the action side of it. It was the almost hanging out in the office in the in the lunch rooms and stuff like that, just hanging out with the um, team or even, mm-hmm. you know, between run-throughs and training and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, it was just the hangout moments in the, the, mm-hmm. that environment. Um, and, yeah, that got that got harder and harder after that first year, I suppose, um, mm-hmm. and kind of I'd go through – I heard one of your – I don't know if it was Kane Middleton that you spoke to or one of the other guys that talked about, you know, different – Reactions from people on the outside. One, one was a werewolf, and one was oh yeah, uh, Dion, yeah. Dion Jensen. Dion, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, I think I've <laughs> well, the subcon- subconscious bodyguards, he was calling them. Yeah, the werewolves and yeah, vampire yeah. ghosts and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I put myself. I think I put myself in the werewolf one. I have to double check that again. But yeah, just um, I started. You know, oh yeah, and I was. You know, everything is a threat because I heard one of yeah. these things. So. <laughs> everything, everything is a threat. <laughs> um, Oh man, you, you, like the awareness on the outside is is great to have, but after a while, it's like what? A, like that guy was just getting a drink from the bar. He wasn't going to kill that lady with an axe. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so there, there was definitely that going on. You know, the mm-hmm. I'd um, oh, I'm good at holding stuff in, but I feel like you know levels of aggression at times, and I'm just like oh, yeah. I can't I can't stop it, but I know it's happening. I'm just not going to take bring it out on anyone but um yeah waves of you know different things and then um one of the biggest things full credit to you guys for me has been listening to those the podcasts that you've done and just um like hanging out with the guys was something that one that i think it was kane that brought that one up but Mm. um was just he just said that that was a simple part that he missed and i was like that's 100 percent like um so for me Wondering what's happening versus getting an idea, good idea of what's happening, is just yeah. so different. Um, mm. It's helped me relax into it a bit more, and you know, just know that everyone else has got these different things, and some of those things I tick the boxes for. I'm like, yeah, yeah um, mm. I'm in it with everyone else for sure, but um, just working through it um, and and understanding. So for me, everything I everything. The one thing that helps me through most things, and I don't know if this will work for everyone, but mm, yeah. just getting a real, a real good understanding of what it is that that the issue is. So, one of those things, as an example, like I used to hate flying on commercial airlines because it's just a big bucket of tin um, in the air, and you know you hit yeah. you hit turbulence, I'm like, that's it, the wings are going to fall off. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and you know, tenfold when the kids are on the plane, I'm like, okay, so if this happens, I'm going to reach across, I'm going to hold it with a brace, and maybe they'll survive or whatever. But um, so many, so many things about not understanding. And then I fly on a, you know, you fly on a small plane, and you you see the pilot up the front, and he's pretty casual, he's pressing buttons and stuff. So I start to get an idea of what they're doing up the front, and you yeah. know, you're hitting turbulence, they're just like relaxed as and whatever. So the more I learned about flying, the more I'm like, oh, well, that's you know, hitting turbulence and all that sort of stuff is part of it. So yeah. that's all good. 
Um, same with everything else, you know. So um, the more I understand about transition and whatever else is going through in transition, mm. the more it helps me just really be clear, like, oh, yeah, you, you know, being a, a bit aggressive now, but there's no reason for it. There's no threat. There's no whatever. So, yeah, yeah. move on. And it just, just helps me day by day just to just to find out more about it and, and move on. Awesome, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's great. Thanks so much for sharing that, um, Todd. That's it's awesome to hear because you, you jumped in and dived into. Uh, I was going to ask you so what sort of things have you been doing to to help you in your transition process and getting that understanding um, and trying to gain a better understanding of those certain things is certainly something that I've found very helpful for me trying to learn and, and adapt those things as well. But really appreciated you, you know, acknowledging or, or mentioning the podcast because I think Brian and I have spoken, that's been part of the catalyst for for us with creating this, not necessarily these types of podcasts, but um, similar ones where they've had people on that have, uh, that have got, you know, everybody's got a story and got these experiences and they've gone through these hard times and it's been great to hear those and that's been a real trigger for both Brian and I to, mm. to delve into this and go, man, if, if we are feeling these things and if we're struggling with these, there must be other people out there and maybe we could try to provide some sort of information or insight through the people that we're lucky enough to have on like yourself. So, mate, really appreciate those comments and thoughts, particularly around transition. Sorry, Brian, were you going to ask something before I... No, I just find it fascinating. I, well, you yeah, kind of. I, I just find it fascinating, Todd, that you talked about that, but very candidly. Mm. So again, Joe and I really appreciate that because I suspect someone out there is also feeling the same thing. The yeah. the hyper awareness or the <laughs> hyper vigilance. Hyper vigilance, yeah. yeah. Mm. Or um, and and yeah, and that can have a profound effect. I can imagine if you're going from a, a policing background and you just. Mm. Yeah, you're always hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, your head, your head's on a swivel. Yeah. Yeah. Like a have you ever have you ever tried to sit in a restaurant in the middle with your back? To the oh, no, 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 no. no. Yeah. Yeah, back yeah. to the wall. Back to the wall. Yeah, yeah I was yeah. I was that kid in um in science class that would ha- I would want to sit at the back so I could see everyone in front of me. <laughs> so just in case somebody uh-huh. mixed the chemicals incorrectly, yeah, you know, yeah, I'll yeah. my escape route. <laughs> I was like, what a weirdo. Anyway. Anyway, <laughs> so, but to hear that and, and to be able to share that and, and articulate mm. that quite nicely, I mean, I could almost feel, and I think Joe would agree with this, I, I'm pretty sure, I can feel the, the pain, the angst behind it, but also the willingness to want to be able to, uh, I acknowledge yeah. that this is happening, okay, I need to be able to figure it out. And so, yeah, so again, tip of the hat to you, um, Todd, that, that's awesome here and thank you for sharing it. It yeah. really did mean that. Definitely. And just on the back of what Brian's saying, you know, I think also you sort of alluded to without getting blasted for showing some emotion, you know, which does and can happen. And I imagine probably does happen in TRG as well by the sound of things. Um, What what we're trying to do, and and thankfully, hopefully you felt comfortable enough, it seems like anyway, to to create an environment where our guests like yourselves can know that it's all right, but we can laugh at ourselves at the same time um, with regards to those things and the mistakes that we've made along the way. And Hopefully, through our forty odd years, or forty six in your case, and was it fifty something for you, Brian? Um, Just with our with our <laughs> with our years experience that we have, hopefully, there's something that can help those coming through, or maybe yeah. those at a similar age. So, appreciate that, brother. So, for you, um, Todd, with regards to what you're doing now, 
and like with Saw Consulting and with the home building solutions, what's next for you, my friend? What do you see? What are you planning? Do you are you somebody? Obviously, I would assume quite uh, tactically. There's a lot of planning and strategy around. You know what's going to happen. Are you one of those that uh, do you have a one year, five year, ten year beyond plan for yourself and your in terms of your own development? I'm getting at here, and or for your family. Those two aspects. Uh, I mean, family is a big one. I'd like to be mm. able to spend, you know, get a good balance of spending time with family uh, and working, whatever it may be, because um, mm. I always feel the urge to, you know, start this and do that and, you know, I can help out here and, you know, yeah. there might be five yeah. things on the go. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think family is a big one and the kids are, you know, 12 and 14 now, so they're, mm. they're at an age where they still need me and care maybe. But... <laughs> Sure, they'll move on. Yes, they do. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I don't have like a strict one-year, five-year plan, and yeah. it was it was interesting. Um, like I've become addicted to your podcast. So I was listening to Harry Moffat, mm. who's obviously a guru over here. Yeah. Mm. Um, he. It was interesting to hear him say he's got all his psychology background, his consulting, and things he does, but he's still not sure yeah. exactly where it's going to lead or what you know. What's, That's right future is and I'm I feel a bit the same like I've got there's things that I can do to help people now which is great um and I'm all every day I'm trying to think where do I want to be in five years or what do we want this to be and you know how is this going to develop and I uh haven't put my finger on 100% yet so Mm. uh it's a bit of a mystery tour and we'll We'll see yeah. how we go. We'll continue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah. Mate, I, yeah, and again, appreciate you sharing that because that's what I can connect and resonate with that. Like, that's very similar to us. People have kept asking us, uh, well, probably not so much these days, but probably up till about a week or two weeks ago. Like, so what's the end state? What are you, what's the plan? What are you guys doing? It's like, <laughs> bro, I don't know. We're like, we're just <laughs> connecting with these awesome people, trying to help facilitate their, their experiences in a way that's natural for them and we just trust and know that the listeners will do the rest they'll grab what they want from your comments just like we have from the others and they'll hopefully the key part is that they then apply them in whatever way shape or form that is that's that they feel is going to benefit them so again just a real testament to what you've shared with us so far i do want to ask because i like the um oh sorry before i ask that question you you spoke about is it surf life saving or the surf boat Boat stuff oh, that you're yeah. training in. How did that come about, and what's that? Um, strange how it came about. I suppose I got into surf life saving and even surfing from, uh, you know, the age of seven or eight. But yeah. we didn't live anywhere near the beach, so it was quite strange. It was um, we had we had uh, our neighbours on the street we were on just happened to be the dad was in the surf club um, right. back in the day, and they were taking their kids down there which was a reasonable drive from where we were. So our, our parents said, yeah, we'll take you down there, which is, you know, one of those Sweet. moments in life, I suppose. End up down the beach every day since. But, um, <laughs> yeah, a lot of the, a lot of uh, stuff now, you know, if you get time for a surf in the morning, that's awesome. Mm. Um, but, yeah, surf boat rowing has been doing that for about 20 years as well on and off. Oh, far out. Um, mm. So, which is always an adventure. That's one of those. I bet. It's, a, it's an awesome sport for um, getting used to being comfortable in chaos, I think. Um, I, bet, boat, I bet, It's called a surf boat and you, you would have seen them, but, yeah, they're, yeah. Not, they're not ideal for surf. Um, just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you just, yeah, you bounce around and you, you row hard and then you, you get to the line however you get to the line sometimes. So, uh, but yeah, that, that, 
that that's actually been a really good um, you know team environment as well. Where I was going to ask, yeah, yeah well you get it's a small, it's four rowers in a boat and one guy at the back um, yeah. coaching and steering, etc. So, um, but the four rowers are always you know totally different personalities and and it's a matter of making it work. And sometimes you have third boat crews that that implode and they're all uptight and it's. And you know they'll have a go at each other and want to punch on. In fact, there's been a lot of punch ons at the end of the year. But um, and other times you just you know it works perfectly and everyone's just happy. And you know the happier people are turning up together, the better the results they get. So um, there's a lot of similarities to other things there. Um, yeah. And again, my maybe it's just my natural characteristic, but my my thing was just to keep it light when it was getting tense, really. <laughs> um, and it, I, can, yeah. I can picture you being the larrikin or the comedian uh, with, with the groups, just by the way, we've been lucky enough to have your interaction mm. with us today, mate. Appreciate bit, it. Yes. <laughs> I try to be more serious sometimes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mate, I, um, I definitely think, uh, well, I've definitely appreciated your comments, your thoughts, your experiences that you shared in here. Again, like with everybody, I've been scribbling down a whole bunch of notes when I hear you mention things that just sort of really resonate. <clears throat> and I'm really grateful that you've um, opened up and shared so much, even though it's only a scratching the surface in terms of what you've done and been able to do. I do want to ask about, you don't need to say the, the particular affiliation or anything of, of this individual, but it, it was this was one of the events that really made Brian and I laugh out loud. Um, a tasering event of a, of a suspect individual which resulted in uh, this person falling off a building. <laughs> yeah, normally I'd say like um, I would identify myself, but I will. <laughs> I was there, and I was up the front. Um, so, oh, this guy—he was a—he was a, a as bad an egg as you get, and he'd just beaten up his girlfriend to the point of broken arms and broken legs and stuff like that. Um, but detectives had gone to find him. They knocked on his door, and he'd ran off, uh, jumped fences. And ended up on this random two-story house on on top of the roof. Um, so we get called out there. They've got detectives are kind of um, surrounding the house, but it's funny when you when you and we did a lot of small team jobs at TRG where you work with general duties or detectives. Interesting to see what you get. You work with what you get on the day because you know we'd have the house surrounded on all corners in case this guy wants to jump down one side or the other. Yeah. And then you'd look across and all the detectives are having a chat and having a drink in the corner. Like, Who's out the back? They're like, oh, all right, whatever. <laughs> uh, and, uh, we, um, we were there with the negotiator. Our main role was to support the negotiator so he could get up close if he had to and talk to this guy and try and talk him off the roof. Yeah. Um, of course, we had one guy with a beanbag shotgun looking really aggressive and the bike kept going he wants to shoot me doesn't he and so <laughs> no nah, mate he's all good but he did just a couple of times yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah we're, we're kind of while we're waiting and, and supporting the negotiator we're working out a plan of how we're going to get him down if we have to yeah. uh, it was quite a tricky one because he's yeah one layer on top of the other layer of the roof so we had to get up on ladders um uh, to start with up to the first level so this guy I should mention the bike you were talking about he was he was going through like oh, I'm going to kill myself and he was slashing his wrist right. with, a, with a really blunt um, razor so it was, oh. a, uh, it was an attention thing but he he had little little marks and a little bit of blood coming out so yeah 
we um, with his safety obviously being a concern, we yeah. moved a bit closer. Yeah. Um, we got the the negotiator to say, "Oh, I can't hear you, mate." Um, you know, because he kept laying down and trying to faint and things. So, negotiator, <laughs> so I'm just going to come up to the next level so I can hear what you're saying. So we got the fireys to put the ladders up, and we got up with the negotiator um, onto the first level roof. And so the negotiator could talk up there, and go, mate, I'm just up here, so you know, just so we can have a conversation. And meanwhile, me and another guy were just below the lip of the second story of the the roof. Um, yeah. Bikey was it was perfectly positioned on our side of the roof, so if we tasered him, he'd come our way and we'd grab him, and whatever. Um, it was all it was the perfect plan. Um, so we each had a ladder, and we were just because we were just below the lip and just below where this guy was. Um, couldn't say too much, but I, I, um, I made the call in my mind that that I would get up on the roof as close as I could, and at the point where this guy knew I was there, we'd both taser him and I'd grab him because um, I was in a better position to do that. Um, and safely, gently bring him down. Was the, yeah. Gently bring him down. Yeah. yeah. So I did some, you know, some finger things and some signalling, and <laughs> well, this is what we're going to do to the to the other guy. Um, and there was two thumbs up, so we both knew exactly what was going on. Yep. Yep. Perfect. Then, uh, clear. Yeah. Clear comms. Yeah. Clear comms. Yeah. And then at the, the ideal moment, I gave a uh, yep. And then I'd just done that, and I hear this. this yeah, I'm not even up there yet. Um, so I, so I've got up. I've, I've zapped him with the taser as well at the same time. Because why not at this point? Um, and this guy, with with two tasers going off in his back, he's managed to lurch up like he's getting away, throw himself over the ridge of the roof, and roll down the other side. And I thought, oh, that's bad. He's going to land on the first level. Um, so you know, he might get a bruise. And then he rolled off the other side of the roof and I'm watching the taser wire feed out of the taser. It's getting longer and longer. And then I just see his legs. So he landed on the first level on a shade cloth and his head went through the shade cloth and his feet stayed up in the air like this and just went straight down. Like, oh, we've killed him with the taser. Um, so, uh, yeah, that, the wire is just about full length now. So I'm just like looking at my taser, turn it off, walk over. And one of the other guys, the TRG guys, had run around on the ground and he's staring at this crumpled heap of a bikey and he, uh, he looks straight up at, at me and he goes, it took him about, uh, I reckon he looks at him for about 10 seconds and he looks up and he goes, he's alive. I'm like, yes. yes. <laughs> That's good. Thank goodness. Um, and then, yeah, this bikey, he, uh, he woke up eventually, he was in a crumpled heap and got carted off in the ambulance but he's like, what just happened? He's like, and he goes, oh, mate, you just got tased. He's like, Oh uh, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah so, oh, you're right. Oh, right. 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 <laughs> um, but yeah, bad egg and uh, yeah, tough day. Like that, that would be a lot of paperwork if we killed the bikey. So <laughs> I, um, I bet it would have been a lot of paperwork. <laughs> but yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't the only job that's ever gone uh, <laughs> different. <laughs> um, but. We tried our best every time. So, <laughs> so Todd, the moral, was the moral, the moral of the story to go on zero? Uh, on, yeah. Oh, the moral of the story is maybe to discuss things because my <laughs> is not visible to us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do we know oh, the, right. signals <laughs> the, the signals? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Walk, yeah. taser. <laughs> and then fall. Uh, legs fall. up, legs up. <laughs> 
Shake Leo, yeah. Yeah. And, and on the other side, it's like, I don't know what you're saying, but yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the other side, all oh they got God. was all they got was taser. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's been there's a lot of lessons. A lot of lessons. Oh man. Oh my God. Yeah. Lucky the, the the guy with the shotgun and the beanbag wasn't the <laughs> Oh, just to throw it in a little bit extra. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, then and, then, and then we set him on fire. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> he just said it right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh-huh. We, we laugh here, but please note oh, those that are in the TRG and the police, yes. we're, we're, not, we're not really serious, you know. It's just, just a bit of lighthearted fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and only with bad people. But yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess it, is this where the disclaimer comes in? With don't try this at home. Don't try this at home. Yeah, yeah. Uh, don't, double, don't try this at home. on a two-story house. Yeah. <laughs> 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 then be the beanbag shoot and go around just, just sneaking a couple while he's there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, we had yeah. There's other ones. We had a horrific one. He got everything, but what what we were a little bit renowned for. In WA, I think for a while TRG was yep. was not shooting when um, when shootings could have been quite more than um, justified. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I remember we had one job yeah. where we were, we were looking for this guy, and he we were going to go do his house like two days later, but he ended up getting in a chase with a couple of cops um, from a petrol station, uh, and then we got word of it on the radio, and, and it all started heading that way. But he'd basically been in a mad chase and got got himself bogged in a laneway. Uh, and then he started firing off rounds from a shotgun at the, the oh, cops wow. and tried to come up and speak to him. So they've, yeah. they've got to a better place. Um, <clears throat> we've come up. By the time we got there, he was still in the car, still bogged, and he had a 1,000 rounds of shotgun ammunition in the back oh, of his yeah. car. So it was um, set for a long day. But we, um, you know, even in these things, there's, there's comedy. But we, uh, I, I was in the armoured car for this one, and we were basically end up right on the tail of his car um, just so he couldn't get anywhere if he did get out of being bogged and everything. Yeah. He was bunkered down in there and we had the negotiator in the army car as well. So the negotiator's on the uh, loudspeaker going, um, I can't remember his name, calling his name, saying, hey, just need you to come out of the car so you know, police can talk to you, all this sort of stuff. And he's like, he's yelling abuse at us all day. And um, <laughs> it went on for a couple of hours, but he'd yell abuse and then he'd get get a bit of um, gusto and he'd start firing off a couple of rounds. But wow. he knew, he, he would have known in his mind, he kept saying to the negotiator, you know, the cops are going to have to kill him because he's not going back to jails, which happens a bit um, mm. as well. Um, but he would fire the shotgun off just off, you know, just slightly right of the armoured car or, you know, just just avoid pointing it directly at police and that sort of thing. Yeah, gotcha. Um, so he was, he was borderline on what was going to happen and then... We basically had time to set up teams all around him and we had um, gas and distraction yeah. grenades and beanbag rounds and all sorts ready to go. So on the signal with this negotiation going nowhere and, and really is for the, for his own personal safety because, you know, it was like that or he was going to end up getting what he wanted and getting shot. Mm-hmm. So we, um, we gave the signal and um, just overwhelmed with just gas. Gas was just firing into his chest and <laughs> beanbag rounds and we were from the armoured car, we were throwing distraction grenades into the <laughs> um, And, uh, yeah, that, that went, I think, 30 seconds of just boom, boom, boom. And gas. Guy Fawkes in his car. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, Whoa, extreme. Um, so he eventually he stumbles out of his car, still got the shotgun, and then he just half falls over with the shotgun and stands on the ground for a second and the guy's run in with gas masks and um, jump on him. We got out of the armoured car and grabbed him, whatever, um, and 
dust him off. But he, uh, oh, he got beanbag from you know thirty <laughs> centimeters away and things like that. But um, he survived, and and we're squirting him down and getting gas out of his face and all that sort of stuff on the grass. And I just remember he goes, oh, oh, thanks guys, I deserve that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I'm, I'm glad yeah. you agree. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, but. Oh, it was all, yeah, everything, everything, we do everything to avoid shootings and we definitely had yeah. shootings mm. um, yeah. and some myself and all that that you couldn't avoid. Mm. But, yeah. um, it, you know, it was always, you know, the policing mindset just precluded from doing anything else, then it's going to be a shooting. But if there was yeah. a way we could resolve it, then so be it. So, yeah, interesting. Man, very interesting. interesting right? <laughs> definitely, mate. Far out. Thank you for sharing those. I, I wanted to yeah. ask, I, I actually got a couple of these. Is it normal? Because I don't, I remember seeing, uh, uh, I don't know if they're regular police or maybe whatever they are out at the airports in Perth. They they were armed and had pistols and Glocks and that sort of stuff. Are the regular police in WA armed? They're armed, eh? Yeah, yeah. Unlike, yeah. Uh, I don't think they are in New Zealand, are they? No. Most of them, no. Yeah. Um, which is interesting with the, uh, you know, the, the things you've had go on there. Yeah. In recent years, yeah. Um, but, yeah, WA's always been armed. We had a um, Barry Matthews, I think it was, police commissioner from New Zealand, came over as our commissioner. Right. Um mm. That was years ago, and he first thing he wanted to do was get rid of guns, and yeah, there was um, oh, I don't yeah. know what's obviously what's met with resistance and said met nah. with resistance, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> different culture. Uh, yeah, 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 I don't know what's what's best, which way, one way or the other. I mean, police on the street they they get an hour's training with guns uh, once a year, so it's yeah. tough for them, and I think that's why everything every high risk incident for them is just um, full mm-hmm. stress because they're really not trained for it. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, they they all carry guns and they're ready to deal with it. And so yeah. far, so good. There's been no. They're always trained to, you know, last resort. Sometimes they're trained way too much to never pull your gun out and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, that results in other issues. So mm. yeah, no, That's, man. Uh, typical agency. Yeah. So. Oh, thanks for sharing that. And what about? Um, I, for, I forgot to ask. I was supposed to ask you this a while back um, during this conversation, but I'll ask it now. Have there been any? Um, uh, funny excuses that people have tried to pull on you uh, when when you've uh, either caught them uh, doing something, whether that was during your general duties phase, whether that was, a, I don't know, a speeding ticket or whether it was, you know, there's people trying to communicate with you at two o'clock in the morning after they've been drinking since midday, telling you how they pay in government funded and through their taxpayers' income, they pay for your wage and all that sort of stuff. Have there been any funny excuses or memorable moments that you can remember where people have just blurted out some sort of out the gate excuse or where people have shared something that you've gone actually that's that was quite a good one (laughs) (laughs) i'll give you that um there have been there's been quite a few where they've gone they've come up with something on the spot and you're like i know that's not true but i I just want to let you go (laughs) um, that's really good yeah the the one i the one i remember i don't know why but it was when i it was probably because it was one of my i think it was my first police interview ever and i was in uniform and you you basically released out of the gate of the academy with um some theory knowledge and just no idea of what's going on and you generally work with another guy who or girl who's got no idea of what's going on so um <laughs> that's how you learn and then i started yeah we i was with a girl who was probably i'd done about three weeks on the street and she'd done about six so she was a senior officer um we grabbed a guy who he'd on camera he picked up a newspaper from outside a news agent and he's walking up the street um, from Perth through Northbridge area. Like a, he's probably 500 metres from the newsagent. He's walking home with the stolen newspaper, basically. Um, 
And then, well, that reminds me of another funny, sad crime story. But, <laughs> um, and then, I'll give you that one in a second. Yeah, yeah, go for yeah, it. So we've gone up, we've grabbed him, the cameras have called us on to him like it was a, um, a major issue um, at the time. <laughs> and we dragged him into the police station in the interview, video interview room. And, uh, yeah, given him... Basically got, got the interview ready, given the full caution and, you know, you're not obliged to say anything. I still remember the words, luckily. Um, <laughs> and then uh, started asking questions and, and the, the girl I was with was asking questions first. And she was basically saying, like, um, so, so what were you going to do with the newspaper? And he said, I was just walking up to the ATM to get the money so I could take it back to the news agent so I could put the money in the newspaper. <laughs> And we're both like, just weren't ready for an excuse. And just, no. um, okay. And she's handed over to me. I'm like, okay, so you were going to pay for the newspaper? She's gone, yep. And from outside the interview room, you hear these senior police officers go, ah, oh, what are you saying? And, like, and, we're, and we're like, okay, so you didn't intend to keep the newspaper. Um, you were going to pay for it. So that's not a crime, but let that be a lesson to you next time. You've got to pay for it. We're like, <laughs> We just, his, his poor excuse, we're just like, oh, my yeah. God, you got me. Um, yeah. <laughs> I got way better at it from there, but, man, <laughs> this guy got off the stolen newspaper by just saying I was going to get money five kilometres away and walk it back. <laughs> give you that. Give you that. Great, God, <laughs> um, that's that awesome. But the other, the other, you know, talk about... What was the other one? Yeah. Sad, sad crimes that I've dealt with in my time. We had a, I was walking the beat with a um, quite experienced sergeant who you know, he's done a lot of things in his time and he's still in there. Uh, he does quite well, but he had he got promoted, so he started walking the beat again as part of his promotion. Um, this guy ran past us in the mall and he was sprinting through the mall and someone from a shop had yelled out, "Grab him!" So we, I started sprinting as a young police officer that I was and came yeah. to run. Um, and the sergeant was nowhere to be seen. He was, I, know, I didn't expect him to keep up. That was all good. But then it was, because this guy had a good head start. I was probably 200 metres into my dash and a taxi came past with the sergeant hanging out the window. He's going, hey, how you going? <laughs> <laughs> he's grabbed the taxi and just told the taxi to drive. So he, uh, he chased this guy in the taxi and I was running up as fast as I could on foot. Um, and generally criminals are good for, you know, they're good for, 200 metres was a good effort from this guy and then they realised they haven't trained for years. Um, <laughs> so I've crashed up with this guy into the ground and the, the sergeant's got out of the taxi about the same time and his face is all bloodied and he's skidded along the ground and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> and we've dusted him off and gone, mate, what are you running for? He's gone, ah, oh, shit, sorry, I've got this um, uh, ice cream cone. And he's had a he had an ice cream cone from McDonald's with no ice cream in it. He just grabbed it off the counter and ran. And we just, <laughs> we just, we just, oh we just, we just like, okay, um, you give us the cane, all right? You head that way. <laughs> give us the cane. <laughs> you go that way. We'll never speak of this again. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We couldn't even work out what that would be worth if that was a stealing. I was like, I don't know. You should have uh, taken that crumpled cone back to the to the lady that said, grab him and go, here you go, yeah. here's your cone. Far oh, out. Put it in the evidence bag, yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's hard case. And the hard, like yeah. the, the part with the senior sergeant jumping, that's not like something out of a movie where you see uh, oh, yeah. the experienced police <laughs> officer <laughs> jump in the car or whatever and the other <laughs> no, the other no. guy's running around, the rookie or whatever they referred to them as. Yeah, the wise old bull, yeah. So. <laughs> no, it's all, all high risk what we do, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Mate, I, I love how you've just, you know, painted some of the, the there's certainly obviously serious side of it, but the lighter side of it as well and being able to have a laugh at yourself and talking about some of these things. I know there's going to be a lot of value and a lot of laughter in these as people listen to them. And, and I'm going to listen to this again as well, just because these stories are crack up. But um, I also wanted to ask you a couple of, probably the last couple of things from myself here is how did you meet your wife? If you don't mind speaking about that, because she's a Kiwi, eh? Or? Yeah, um, she, she'd been living in Perth since she was seven, I think. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And her parents had moved over, yeah, um, at that time they'd been here. They are living in Perth for 30 years and they'd just moved back. Oh, far out. Um, yeah. I think they're locked down in Auckland at the moment or yeah, nearby. Yeah. So yeah. as soon as they, they got the travel bubble to get back and they got locked down straight away. So, oh, my um, goodness. Yeah, but her, her dad really wanted to get back uh, with their relatives and things like that. Yeah. Um, before it gets too long in the tooth and we were going to go visit uh coming up but our borders haven't haven't opened yeah, yet so haven't yeah yet. we'll put that off um i'll come and do some burpees with you when i eventually get over yeah here. yeah i was gonna <laughs> say yeah when you come over it'd be great to uh reconnect hey you fellas might yeah. end up moving up moving back here, or well, moving here. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so how did you two meet did she did she did you ask her out did she ask you out how did that come about uh I think, well, it's through Surf Club. So she'd been down oh, there. She was, right. Mm. She's a gun swimmer, dare I say it. So she'd yeah. won like um, probably the Rockness swim and things like that. Oh, far out. Swim and, yeah. Yeah, she flies along and I'd like to tell everyone that I taught her everything she knows. Uh, <laughs> good, good call. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, she was one of these superstar swimmers and I was rowing boats and the two generally don't mix because um, – the, the story with boaties is that they line you up against a wall and they throw bricks at people and the ones that don't move <laughs> are the boaties. Um, so, and the swimmers are very civilised. So it's a weird combination. But uh, um, after, yeah, after many, uh, after quite a few years of surf club, I think she kind of um, asked Couldn't me, contain yeah, herself. Yeah, yes, she couldn't yes. contain herself anymore. Is yeah. that, what is the saying? She's yeah. only human or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah she's only human. I'm going to check if she's around. Yeah, um, <laughs> next minute there's a frying pan because it's Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, her claim to fame is she's a little bit taller than me as well. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> so she'll get me. Um, but that's all right. Um, so, yeah, through, through Surf Club, um, she's met a few things, a lot of things in common, I suppose, and got on like a house on fire and um yeah which is something i've you know with her it's been great and we've been you know through all sorts of things with kids and yeah. relationships and like relationships do but um yeah i think we're we're coming out the other end of kids are getting older and we're you know looking at good holidays and things like that so awesome. um it's all worked out pretty well yeah um Beautiful. It, it's funny the the whole new zealand thing as well everywhere i've every time we've done national courses with trg and or yeah. anytime i've dealt with New Zealanders it's always been WA and New Zealand have just like bonded and found each other and gone there's something about it something about the um, casual nature or something I don't know but yeah other states are a bit different a bit more intense but New Zealanders are, are awesome to deal with um, I think I think those are Victorians aren't they Victorians in New South Wales I didn't say that oh, <laughs> 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 Brian's <laughs> called them out I've called them out <laughs> No, I remember, so the first national course I did with the, with the TRG side of it, um, yeah. the, the Kiwis came along, we're doing some, CBR was a big thing, so all the gassing and stuff, yeah. and mm. everyone brings out their CBR suits and the Kiwis are like, oh, let's get a couple of rubbish bags and take our arms off. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, yeah, there's, a, there's someone that's poorer than us. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so, um, but yeah, a similar sense of humour. I like to think. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. That's a crack up, man. Far out. Yeah. That's awesome. Beautiful. Hey, um, Brian. Before I I sort of wrap up on here, have you got any questions that you wanted to throw at Todd? No, I don't have any questions. But man, I really appreciated the time. It's been so. I'm I'm, I'm crying, laughing. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate. Well, no, thanks, B. Um, Todd, brother, I just want to, you know, sort of take a moment to really acknowledge you and thank you for your time here with us that you've given with both Brian and I. Man, time has flown by. I just had a glance at the time now, but um, really enjoyed uh, spending this time with you and grateful for you um, sharing and, and giving some of your time to us so freely and willingly. Uh, no doubt, my friend, there's. Um, there's value in your words that are going to help so many people uh, that take the time to listen to this podcast. We've been receiving that so far already from from the guests that we've been privileged enough. We feel very blessed to have on, and you being another one of those. Look forward to connecting with you in person um, when you guys come on over, or if we make a trip back over to Perth just to catch up with friends and, and that sort of stuff over there, including yourself. But um, it would be great to connect with you. My last question at this time before I just sort of mention and give you an opportunity to talk about uh, your two businesses just so that people know where to find them or put them in the show notes and stuff in that as well. But we've been asking, or we've only just recently started asking some of the guests that we've had. So this series, In the Service of Others, Who Dares Wins? Um, In the Service of Others, it's pretty plain and clear for us to see um, what you do and how you strive to serve others, how you have and how you continually strive to serve others. But what we've been interested in finding out and hearing is what the who dares wins aspect means because people that I've spoken with, it, it does mean and sort of means different things to different people and I realise it's the motto of, of the Specialty Service Regiment but its application and what we're doing here in this particular series, it, it applies to, you know, in our view, anybody that's willing to, you know, sort of take risks and put it on the line. And I guess I'd be really grateful if you wouldn't mind just sharing your thoughts of what that little catchphrase or who dares wins means to you and and does it play a part in terms of how you try to um, apply or adapt those things to your situation in your daily life? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's a, it's a brilliant motto and one that I would never steal off the regiment. It's, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I love what they've done with it. And it's... Yeah, I think if you can have it in the in the background of your your lifestyle in general, it's awesome. But um, for me, you know, I'll, I'll put it into context with the STG guys you yeah, about and please. anyone that wants to jump in. So, for my own personal feelings, I know when you guys asked um, if I want to go on the podcast, and I I know guys um, they wouldn't know me so well, but I've, I've I've had the pleasure of listening to guys like Harry Moffat and Nick mm-hmm. before, and um, had Joe watch Joe punch people, destroy people in the gym and stuff like that. And <laughs> any ex-SAS guys are on a massive pedestal to me in general. Um, and when those guys are on, my initial thoughts are, well, you know, what the hell am I going to offer and what am I going to say after those guys and, and with that sort of stuff. And then, um, you know, who dares wins is just about just going and doing it because the, the, the really the theme of the um, show is in the service of others and mm. if you're not willing to put yourself out there and no one is then it's not going to help anyone so that's where I was at was just mm. one getting an understanding of the show but two what's what are they trying to achieve well if there's three seconds of what I say that helps someone like the the things that your guests have helped me then man that's the way to do it so jump in um, get over the uh, you know the fear factor that we all have of like oh I've got mm. nothing to offer and just mm. you know throw it out there because you know I know for a fact that every STG 
operator over there has got mad stories and you know you hear a lot of them and um, whether you can talk about them or not or just just lifestyle um, yeah things, so jump in and do it and and with everything <laughs> like transitioning from from trg and all the things that i've done you know i, f- I feel like you know the personal growth has been huge but it's only been i could have sat back and and just got paid weekly and got sick leave as i needed and got annual leave or whatever but you know the the growth and the just jumping in and taking the risk and and either either winning or losing but learning um, you're only going to get it through jumping in aren't you head first so awesome. I don't see any easy way to do it myself so it's uh, it's a wicked. great honour to live by yeah. yeah wicked man thank you so much Todd that's those are beautiful things that you've just shared and we really really appreciate those how can people get in touch with you um, where would they go to with regards to soil consulting or the home building solutions what's the websites or the links for those mate. Yeah, so the website's um, for both of them reasonably easy. So SOAR Consulting is S-O-A-R Consulting, or one yep. word, .com.au. Uh, and, yeah, you'll find uh, everything you need in contact is on there if you're uh, interested. And yep. Home Building Solutions, again, is Home Building Solutions, all as one word, .com.au. Awesome. Um, and to be honest, I've got a, you know, particularly interested in, in um, police and military if they're looking at home building and, even if you know they're interstate or New Zealand, or whatever, and they're looking at investing in WA, then yeah. I really want to help them. And if there's a discount to be had, we'll throw that in because it's um, you know looking after those kind of groups. So um, yeah, if you if you don't want to deal with a with a salesman, like yeah. I can't do sales, I don't do that. Um, yeah. But it, but you want the answers and you want it, you, know, you want assistance. Even if you just want to talk on the phone, I'll give you a, a hand and. Um, no problem at all. So homebuildingsolutions.com.au for that one. Uh, and there's a couple of Facebook groups of the same name too. Beautiful, man. Awesome. awesome. Thank you so much, Todd. Again, brother, we really appreciate you and thank you for your service and what you have done, what you continue to do and continue to do not only for your family, but for those that you continue to serve and work with. Thank you again from both Brian and I for your time, brother. And we wish you continued success and all the best in not only the businesses with sawconsulting.com.au and homebuildingsolutions.com.au. Um, we will be putting all that information and stuff in the show notes and look forward to connecting with you again in the future, brother. And just um, thank you to you guys because, um, like I say, what you're doing is 100% working in case you're wondering. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's worked for me. I've already, I reckon I've broken through a barrier just listening to the guys on the podcast and what you guys have to say. So everyone's so open and, you know, sharing on it. So it's working. And if you can keep it up forever, I'd be much uh, appreciated. Yeah, thank well, you very much. Thank awesome. you. <laughs> Thanks very much, mate. And as always, we sign off respectfully. Who dares wins?